Hey there, We Can't Wrestle Podcast listeners. If you haven't noticed, we have switched our server to Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app, or go to anchor.fm to get started. Highly recommended by me and everybody else here at the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Listening to the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Now it's time for our host, Nate Manson. Hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to episode 102 of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Nate Maxson here with you, along with Aaron. Aaron, how's it going out there, brother? Going good. Mr. Kyle Army is here. How are you guys doing? 102 episodes. 102. Ugh. 102. And we just keep rolling on and on. At what point are we going to be on Viagra? <laughs> Next episode for me. <laughs> and that is the voice of Mr. Archie Mitchell of the Asylum World Championship Customs and the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Archie wears many hats. Yes. What's up, everybody? That's because Arch- he has no hair. Right, I'm trying to cover up as much as I can. <laughs> That's one of my favorite latest Jim Cornette things when he says the like when the the booking of wrestling now it's like putting a hat on a hat. <laughs> <laughs> like you do things that don't you do this and then you you do something even more extravagant on top of it. It's like putting a hat on a hat. I don't know. I think that's a really funny expression. <laughs> Um, this week's show, we are delving into what we're going to do is we're going to look into the. Pro Wrestling Torch Newsletter Year End Awards from 1997, and the we're going to take a, a take a gander at who won each category, and I'm going to get the uh, the co-hosts' opinions on number one because I have number one, two, and three in each category, and whether we agree with the torch, how would we rank these people? Um, where would they be? Who would we put as number one from that year in these categories? Nate, so, you just made me really sad. I realized that I was 16 years old when this came out. <laughs> Damn. S- 16, I was, let me see. I was uh, 18. 18. Damn. Lord have mercy. I just t- I just told Kyle earlier, every time you tr- we turn a microphone on in this house, a cat starts meowing. So, <laughs> so they, they, gonna... make a, they, they make appearances on every single podcast that we yes, do. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. <laughs> When we when we reveal the, when we reveal the category, are we going to say who our we think ours was first? No, I'll read what their top three were, and then we'll discuss. All right, because I wrote mine down just so people know I'm not cheating. <laughs> well, this is more this is more to get our opinions anyway, not to see who guesses it right. I want to win. What a what a year 1997 was. It was my favorite right. year. My favorite year in wrestling. Period. 
End of story. In my opinion, it was the pinnacle pinnacle of wrestling. It's yeah. when everything started to gel for both companies. ECW was on the rise, and you were just happy to be watching something great on TV every week. Yes, amazing products from most co- all the companies. Um, for for younger fans who may not know, like at that time, I'm sure with the rest of these guys too, but like it was constant, like flipping back and forth between mm-hmm, USA. Yep. And uh, TNT because TNT, you just you yeah. had to watch both and thing and things were changing, man. I mean, who here does not remember that being first of all the first Raw is War, being just amazingly fascinated by what you saw on the TV with the big Titan Tron yep. and all that stuff. Never seen anything like that in the WWF before. And then in the first segment, uh, Paul Bearer's like, "War is Raw, Raw." War, like he couldn't even get the it was like he didn't even know what to say. And then the the week after that you get the the Bret Hart Sid Cage match with Bret Darp and the F bomb and and I mean it was we'd never seen anything like that before. Vince was sitting no. there in his chair going, Damn, we shouldn't be live. <laughs> but like in that intro for Raw. Yep. I mean if you can't think of a better intro for a wrestling show, I'd like to hear it because Right. Like I said, I mean, it just it sets the tone. Yeah, instead uh, of instead of the modern wrestling where Michael Cole comes on and goes, "Welcome to Monday Night Raw" or whatever the fuck show he's on, it doesn't matter. It's yeah. irrelevant at this I'm point. Kind of Literally, happy it's a fucking factory blowing up, <laughs> right? And wrestlers running out. One of my one of my favorite one of my favorite things. There was like a Raw magazine that was like like. Um, might have been like the 10 year anniversary or whatever. And they were interviewing, um, uh, Erwin Silfies about it. And he said, all they were thinking about was the fact that they had this Titan Tron. Okay. And they had built this Titan Tron and this big set and everything. And they were like, well, what was your, he was said, he was like really worried about it. And he was like, what was your, like, well, the interviewer was like, what was your big concern? And he was like, the fact that Vince was going to be sitting down looking directly at that thing for two hours, and what if it doesn't work? Right. <laughs> like, how about he, he's not going to get up and come down and, and chastise this, you know, 15 minutes in. He's going to sit there for two hours and look at the big fucking thing that he spent all this money on, and it doesn't <laughs> work. He's about <laughs> as big as fear was the fucking Titantron would work. And think about it. It wasn't. It wasn't like an LED screen. It wasn't a TV screen. It was literally a giant a projector curtain, right? He was like, "This thing doesn't work." He's like, "We're dead in the water." This doesn't work. <laughs> oh, and there were a few times it didn't work. There were a couple of times they it blinked out or it didn't play the right video or didn't. yeah. So so he had his worries because his concerns were met. The wrestler would come out and it would just still have the raw as war thing flipping right. around on the yeah. But it was definitely an exciting time to be a wrestling fan um, coming out of, and I know all of us are kind of in the same generation, coming out of of the kid-friendly 90s or late 80s, early 90s in the WWF. The new era. Um, Yeah. And then... I said it it before, like my favorite favorite Sid moment is that from that Raw that you're talking about, when Sid comes out, he's like, I don't know shit. I don't know shit. Like oh Sid, Sid, big old dumb Sid. I asked Kevin Nash a few weeks back when he was on the virtual show the 
the promo where he says, "I," where Sid says, you are half the man that I am and I have half the brain that you are. <laughs> I asked him, Kevin, was that a scripted promo? And he said, no. We told Sid, just walk out and say whatever you want. We're going to say whatever we want and go from there. And that totally and, popped, popped National Hall, too. Man, I yeah. am half the brain that you do. And right. Well, remember, remember when he was doing that interview with Jim Ross? He's like, oh, can I start this over? Jim yeah, can I start? Yeah, we're, 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 <laughs> live, <laughs> we're live, pal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sid. <laughs> this has turned into the Sid edition yep. of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. So let's start here. We'll start with the first category, which is MVP of 1997. Um, anybody have a guess as to who, and is it, not, it doesn't have to be who your pick was, because we, we're looking for your personal picks here, for uh, that year, but anybody have a guess for who might have been number one? Shawn Michaels? Steve Anybody Austin. else? Aaron? Well. I don't no, want your ahead. opinion yet. Okay. I know. I number three was Bret Hart. Number two was Shawn Michaels. Okay. And number one was Steve Austin. Yeah. Good call, Kyle. How could it not be? So would that be your pick then, Kyle? Yes. I mean, how could it not be? I mean, I know, granted that Steve Austin really didn't do a lot of the cool shit that he did until 98, 99, but, like, you have him throwing the belt into the sea and telling Rock, you know, Oh, I got your pager. Why don't you give me the big three one six when you find it? <laughs> um, I, if you've I, never seen the episode of Livewire with Steve Austin on it, where he goes off on uh, Sonny and Vince, I think it's Vince uh, Vince Russo, right? It might be it's or that Patton, or. Yeah. Uh, Vic yeah, Venom. Not Vince Russo, Vic Venom. Vic Venom, then, yeah. But it is just, I mean, it is just a super cut of, like, some of his best stuff. Because he cuts a great promo on Bret Hart. You gotta love the Austin 3C. Remember the Austin 316 VHS that mm-hmm. Austin that Austin narrated? We watched the hell out of that thing, man. Yeah, we did. <laughs> you know, he, he, he always seemed to surprise you with every promo from the all you have to do is put an S in front of the hitman, and you'll know exactly what I think about him. <laughs> so, like Kyle said, throwing the belt over the ri- into the river and saying, "Give me the three one six when you find it," and mm-hmm. then staying at the bridge till the Rock arrived to fight and get thrown into the water himself. You know what I mean? And it, we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. Whenever a wrestler gets arrested or gets taken away in an ambulance, they always seem to come back in the cop car or ambulance they got taken away of way in. Austin was the originator of that. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Think about it. That This is the year that we got to see Vince get stunned. This is the year that we get to see uh, um, Austin kind of do start. It, it plants the seeds to what Austin will be, mm-hmm. you know, in 98, 99, because like I said, he, he's the one guy too in 97, you know, the big thing is Canada versus America. And you watch, like, Canadian Stampede, and they boo every fucking American except for Steve Austin. Right. Oh, they pop for him. They pop for him. Oh, yeah, they're just like, what fuck? We like Steve, though. He's Right. So I'm assuming, assuming, Kyle, you you picked Austin. Yes. Archie, based on your comments. Um, 
all three are perfect in their in their positions. I agree with all three, uh, and I, I'm good with Austin because Kyle's right. It, it showed it was his growing period, and after knowing that Austin was in WCW in '89, '90, and how long he had to travel to get to the WWE to finally find stardom, sure, he deserves MVP. My only reasoning for Shawn Michaels is because that was at a time when Shawn was in the picture in everything as well. Mm-hmm. The X was just starting. Um, he, you know, they, the screw job with Brett. Oh, those, would, those, you know, those. There, there was nothing that ever, you know, when it, there was nothing that ever felt more real to me watching wrestling. I mean, other than when I was little and thought it was real, right? Because I was a little idiot, but. From when I realized that it was a work, there was nothing that felt more real in wrestling than those Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, you know, like when when Bret's in the wheelchair and Shawn's right. like hovering above him. And I mean, that stuff is just etched in my mind. And real or Memorex, they both did a great job performing. You know, that's the thing about why I say all three deserve the spot, their spots, whether it's first, second, third, whichever one. I go back and watch old Austin, HBK, and and uh, Bret Hart stuff, and I still pop for it. Mm-hmm. I still enjoy watching it. So, and here's the crazy thing: if you go back and watch '97, those three, and then you throw Undertaker in the mix, but those three, like they bounce in and out of feuds with each other, yep. like they juggle right. the three of those, like throughout mm-hmm. the entire fucking year, because right. Sean has matches with Austin, Austin has matches with Taker, Bret has matches with. Right. And then you sprinkle you know, in Owen and yeah. The Rock and Triple H. It, they had the perfect roster of their top guys, and you know. Mankind and right. Everybody was working hard. So, Aaron, what was your, what would your pick be? Um, Brett. And I see. I tend to agree with Aaron. I I slightly lean towards Brett. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get into it right now. My reasons. Aaron, you can if you want, but I have. There's a couple things on the other awards that I'm going to mention a lot about Brett. So, well, here here's a rundown of just pay per view. Brett in '97. You guys ready? Yep. In your house night. In your house final four. It's Brett versus Austin versus Vader versus Taker. It's fantastic. WrestleMania 13. Brett versus Austin. In your house Revenge of the Taker. Brett versus Steve Austin. The Canadian Stampede. It's that eight man or that five man. I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. SummerSlam. Bret Hart versus The Undertaker with Sean as the ref. Ground Zero. Bret Hart versus Del Wells. Um, one Night Stand. Or not One Night Stand. Sorry. One Night Only. Bret Hart versus The Undertaker for the championship. Bad Blood. Bret versus Bulldog. Which they didn't team very much, but the couple times they did, they should have had those guys team a lot more because they were a fan. They were really good together. Um, Brett and Bulldog versus Patriot and Vader. And then Survivor Series, it's Brett versus HBK. And only two of those, Brett's not in the main event, but he's right. still defending champion. So, and in my opinion, the championship is the main event of any show. So nine pay-per-views out of 12 in a calendar year, Brett Hart was the main, was the main event, quotation marks, the main event of the show. That's fantastic. And think about this, like in 1997, okay, just how amazing, how great of a year 97 was. You have the Royal Rumble, which Austin wins by, you know, shenanigans. They go the next month to Final Four, and it's like, oh, well, there really wasn't a winner, so now we're going to have this. And people were okay with it. They bought it. They're like, yeah, hell yeah. Right. Who needs a champion right now? now? Right, right. 
Right. And again, your goddamn mind. Again, it's because you'd never seen anything like that. You'd never seen the juggling act with the WWF title like that. You know, there was always a clear cut champion, normally a baby face. Right. Being chased by a bunch of heels. The only time before them was when Undertaker beat Hogan, and they had to put it in the Royal Rumble, and then Flair won because Hogan, be, you know, pulled Sid out. Right. And even then, they didn't call for a Final Four and say, "Hey, Sid and Hogan and and Flair and whoever, you know, they just mm-hmm. gave Flair the title." But see, right. this is my problem with Austin being number one. My only problem, Aaron mentioned it. Every match Austin he mentioned Austin in, except for the Royal Rumble. Austin lost. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He lost in the five that ten man tag. He lost against Brett at SummerSlam, and you know, well, he fainted, which is still cool to me, seeing that you know pool of blood dribbling off his face. But Austin was still being booked as the underdog, which okay, that's great. It allowed him a big come up, but HBK and 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 Brett were the workhorses and always involved in a winning way and always doing something for the company more. That's why I say it should be between them for one and two. Right. And so that's let's not, oh. let's not, I'm sorry. I, I, that's okay. I, I'm a big fan of the Royal rumble 97. Oh. When Austin's throwing everybody out and sitting on that top rope, you know, I was like, well, let's go, let's go. And then you hear yep. Brett's music hit and he's just and his face. Oh God. Yeah. That yeah. Fucking sells it. That I mean, face. They, those two, if if nothing else, I mean, I wish to God we could have seen more between those two. Well, yeah, you talk about guys that were meant to wrestle each other. You know, Steamboat and Flair, Hogan and Savage, um, right. Brett and Austin. I mean, it, that's it, perfection. Absolute perfection. All right. So now we're talking bell to bell. The next award is Best Wrestler of 1997. So that would be bell to bell in the ring. Best wrestler of '97. Anybody want to go out on a limb and say who they guess is number one in I'm the torch gonna say pole? Brett. I'm going to say it's got to be Brett. Anybody else before I read the? I'm I'm going to I'm going to say I don't want to say who I think because then it's just going to foreshadow who I pick. You know what I mean? Like subconsciously, I'm just going to. Well, say no, you're we, well, you're giving your opinion on who you picked, but I, I want to know who you think they voted on because that's not necessarily going to be the same. But who was the most? It doesn't matter if you give your pick or not, but I'm gonna say Owen. Um, so hard family <laughs> number three, as voted by the readers of the torch, Chris Benoit. Yeah, number two, Ray Mysterio Jr. Okay. Number one, Shawn Michaels. So that was what that was what the readers of the two the readers of the torch picked. Archie, since you're grunting, I'll let you go first this time. Who would your pick for best Bell to Bell wrestler of 97? I, I am a Shawn Michaels mark, but 97 was not one of Shawn's better years. He got his ass handed to him in 80% of the matches he was in, even if he won. Um, you know what I mean? Um, I, I kind of would have liked to not have gone to Benoit or maybe Dean Malenko because both of them were burning it up in WCW. Mm-hmm. And I think Malenko, the following year in '98, won the the top, you know, the PWI 500. I believe he was the number one wrestler. Right. So, in my opinion, it should have been Benoit or Malenko. Kyle, is is '97 the year of the Booker T. Chris Benoit best of seven, or is that '98? '98. '98. Is that '98? 
Yeah. I was going to say, like, I, I get why Ben Wall's on that list. Oh, yeah. Because, like I said, I think of anybody that's better than that. Um, God, here's the problem with 97. You have so many guys that could have been considered the best wrestlers of that year. You have, you have Jericho coming up. You have Eddie Guerrero coming up. Um, I'm you with you guys with you know, you look at ECW, they had Saturn and Cronus and, and Shane Douglas yep. and all, you know, anybody could have gotten that award that year. Yep. Um, again, like what you said with Sean, I, I get it. I'm, I'm surprised that Sean is the best wrestler of the year just because yeah. this mm-hmm. being the tail end of the year, you know, with the whole Montreal screw job and the still in people's minds. Now, do keep in mind, and he's not my pick. But do keep in mind, in 97, we also had um, a, 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 just a blowaway performance in the Hell in a Cell from Shawn Michaels. Um, yeah, I, I mean, wanna, I don't want, sorry. No, it's okay. I, it, you're right, though. He didn't wrestle a lot that year. He was, you know, he's finding his when smile. He did, he was getting his ass kicked. And I'll, I'll say this, though, Arch, like with the, and I don't want to, like, disagree with you or anything, but with the whole this guy didn't win this and this guy didn't win. It's when you go best wrestler, I don't think it matters in that category. If this guy was a winner or a loser, it's because even losing, even losing. I know. I agree with you. Great wrestler is the guy that can make somebody look great while they lose. You're you're right about that. I I agree with you. My only factor in though, I prefer Sean in his comeback when he got more technical in the ring. Yeah. And I did because this was still the Sean that jumped off the top rope. And when Vader wasn't close enough, he landed, stomped on Vader in the head and went, you idiot, you asshole. And then beat the shit out of Vader because it was, you know what I mean? This yeah. was still childish Sean who was doing things that was very unorthodox in the ring. Sean that did the comeback, that was the more technical Sean. So that's why I disagree with it. You know right. what I mean? So, Aaron, who would your pick I'm... for... Best wrestler of '97, and, and if we continue to do this, these these years or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, so probably like say we would start like we do '95 through whenever it happened. Every cat, every time this category comes up, I'm going to put this guy in it, and Nate will know I'm not making this up. Me as Chris Benoit, mm-hmm. like the fact that Chris Benoit, you said he was number three. Number three, that's fucking bullshit. Like he's like I agree. Like Chris Benoit, when he was Chris, when he was not what he became, he was fantastic. Like I, I there's not very many people that you could put above Chris Benoit as saying this guy is better than him, wrestling wise. Mm-hmm. And it's a shame. It's a shame that the only times that we got to see Brett versus Benoit was the Owen tribute and at the end of um, Mayhem. Yep. Yep. And both matches were good. They both delivered. They, they and I think Chris Benoit never had a bad match. Ever. No. No. His entire, in his entire life, never had a bad match. Does anybody he remember? Even match, he even got a good match out of Sid. Does anybody like remember three, in like 94, 95? They brought Benoit into WCW for the light heavyweight division. He was wearing lep- um, 
like zebras. I think it was pants. ninety. I think that was ninety two. Two ninety three. Yeah. Ninety three. Ninety three. Because yeah. he has and a fantastic match, like a super brawl with Kuko yep. Scorpio. Exactly. Phenomenal. I mean, he was even good then when he was young and infantile, and you know what I mean. And then he comes back to WCW, and with I think in what three months he joins the Horsemen because they see what kind of caliber wrestler he is. Mm-hmm. It, in and, my opinion, it's Benoit. And I know I know people talk shit about Benoit and everything else, and you know everything has been said about him. But Aaron has one of my favorite Benoit stories it's about the guy with no thumbs. If you could share that. Oh yeah, that's not my story. <laughs> well, yeah, but I'm saying it, I heard from you first. Um, Dean Malenko tells this story about this guy. It was like a huge Horseman fan, okay? And they were doing this Nitro, or they were up in this skybox. And this guy kept like, you guys are the best, you guys are the best. And he's like yelling at him, and they're like, cool, man, cool. And he has no thumbs. Okay? Mm-hmm. Like, the guy had, had no thumbs. And he's just like, I love the horseman, I love the horseman. And Benoit wasn't in there, and he wasn't in the skybox. And then he shows up, and Dean Malenko's like, hey, Chris, this guy's our biggest fan. Give, it, give him the symbol, buddy. And Chris is like, I love you too, man. Oh, and like, the four, oh, puts the four fingers up, yeah. <laughs> and the guy has no thumbs. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I don't tell it. Malenko does. I like oh, it. Yeah. I like it a lot. <laughs> it's, on, it's on the Horseman DVD. You got to watch it. It's it's our, this guy's our biggest fan. So and, cool. and, and, and Chris is just putting it in his face like this. Technically, he had no thumbs, so all he ever did was the four horsemen. Yeah, but Benoit put it right in his face. <laughs> <laughs> For me, um, to be honest, and and I, not the, I'm I'm not disparaging the wrestling name of Chris Benoit at all. No, fantastic bell to bell performer. But I really would say, reflecting back, because I tried to think back when I was thinking about this, you know, if, I, if it was me in 1997, who would I have voted for? And to be honest, I love Shawn Michaels. I love Bret Hart. Uh, I love Steve Austin. They were all compelling characters, but I thought Bell to Bell, who was who did I get the most excited watching wrestle in 1997? And Aaron can attest to this. For me, it would be Rey Mysterio. 1997... Made me. Ray was doing shit. Made me. Yeah, ninety seven made me the Ray Mysterio mark that I became, and he was doing shit in the ring that, you know what I mean? Like it was just it was it was absolutely amazing what he well, was doing. Eddie, Eddie and Ray was Halloween Havoc. Halloween 97. Havoc ninety seven, one of the greatest matches of all time. And the guy who was underrated for ninety seven, well, even really his whole career, is Olimo Dragon. Yep. Yeah. Because I'll, he got outshot him. Well, he, he was, but like, it is forever burned in my mind turning on like Nitro and stuff and seeing him with the nine belts. With the nine belt, oh my god, I couldn't believe it. And when I noticed one was the end up was an NWA title and one was a WWF title, mm-hmm. it made me mark out more because I'm like, oh god, he's a champion at every company. Yeah, it's like here's this <laughs> guy, know? his nine fucking belts. He's like been all over the world. Like Ray, Nate, talk about that Halloween Havoc match. That DV that that DDT that Ray does, where he's up on the top rope and he mm-hmm. flips and mm-hmm. DDTs Eddie with it. Eddie talked about that, and he said that was the first and only time they ever did that move. Yeah, that was the Dragon <laughs> like, Ronnie. Like, was, was the first like, time he did it. Yeah, like, they said they did it, 
and like Ray basically got up on the top, like got him up on the top rope, and Eddie was like, "What are we doing?" And Ray's like, "DVD or DDT." He's like, "What?" And then like Ray flipped into the shit and hit it, and Eddie was like, "We'd never be able to do that again." <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the insane mind, shit I've ever it, like Eddie was at the, was like that was the most insane shit I've ever done in my life. <laughs> and in '97, like that was the thing where everybody wore the same shit over and over again. Like enough time had passed for like Macho Man to go because even Macho Man at the time, all he wore was like the madness stuff and everything. Right. Like, mm-hmm. right. like with Ray, like every single pay per view, every single Nitro, it was a different outfit, a different costume. Well, all right, here I've been watching a show on YouTube called Wrestling Bios, and he does a, a show called uh, Recounting the War, and he watches Raw and Nitro and shows you both of them and sees it says who did better that night. And in 96, Hogan and Macho Man were actually wearing their NWO outfits to fight the Dungeon of Doom. Yeah. And just nobody realized because it was black right. and white attire. Well, you know what Ho- I mean? Uh, <clears throat> yeah, Hogan Hogan tried that, that, that weird heel turn in like late yeah. 95 because yeah. the WCW crowd was fucking booing him anyway. Right. <laughs> where yeah. he did that, he did like that weird like swashbuckling promo where he had the sword and stuff. Yeah. It's like, what the yeah. fuck is going on with Hulk Hogan? He's wearing, he's wearing a Phantom <laughs> of the Opera mask and he's got yeah. a sword in his hand. You know what I mean? It's and the, it's the swashbuckling, brother. And he's we need to do a list. Doom. We need to do you a list on the top ten dumbest Hulk Hogan things. Oh, we <laughs> fucking, through that. The, the, the fucking fist helmet's going to be on there. We've covered like five of them on this show so far. <laughs> I wa- was watching ECW one night, and Paul Heyman came out, and he's like, we got some, some Lucha Libre stars. I'm like, what the hell's Lucha Libre? You know, it's 95, 96. I don't know what the hell that is. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching it, and here comes Rey Mysterio and Psychosis. I'm like, man, that guy's got the dumbest hairdo ever connected to his mask. Because you could tell it was a wig. <laughs> and then Rey Mysterio broke out his that corner con rana, which I knew was the Frankensteiner, but he mm-hmm. bridged into it and hooked the leg. And as a, a 14, 15-year-old kid, I went, wow, that was awesome. I'm going to, I'm going to, so, you know, there were a lot of things that happened in the ECW arena, but easily the top one of the top three things that ever happened in the ECW arena was those two. Yep, Lighten it up for the first time in the States. I, I think they had like five they, matches there. And, and I'm not even a huge, I'm not even a huge Ubi fan, but Ray and Ubi tore it up in ECW too. Yep. And I was a big fan too of when they came to WCW having Mike Tanay come in and be the voice to kind of bridge the gap for those who didn't really know. Because nobody what, knew what, what the hell they were doing, right? right. Tanay was the only one who followed it. Why is the mask so important? You know, giving us the information so we can get Hey, look at that. Wrestling 101. Give me a story that I can get invested in. I will never. Hey, maybe, maybe some, maybe some of these wrestling promoters in 2020 should watch that fucking shit. Right. I'll never forget Mike Tanay saying when Eddie Guerrero turned heel, he'd be like, you know, I've watched Eddie Guerrero grow up in Mexico, and this is something he's always had in him. And you know, when he came to WCW, he tried to play the good guy, but it seems that you know, the old Eddie Guerrero's coming through again. I didn't know about Lucha Libre, but I knew about Eddie Guerrero and Art Bar because of their tag team in Mexico. Right. Eddie was a perfect heel. So when he came to ECW to fight Dean Malenko and then went to WCW, I was like, why the hell is this guy being such a face right now and being a goody-goody? That's a heel. Mm -hmm. Let him flip off the camera and tell (laughs) these little kids to go F themselves and let him wrestle. Well, here we go. Archie loves my transition. Speaking of heel... 
The next category is best heel. You do make a transition. I do like um, your transitions. <laughs> the, the okay. So I want to know if anybody has a guess on what who was number one, and then I'll read the top three, and then we will uh, review. Hollywood. Um, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I agree with Kyle. Kyle. That's who I think they picked was Hulk Hogan. Yeah. I okay. Agree. So I agree with Hollywood Hogan. Number three, Shawn Michaels. Yeah. Number two, oh. Bret Hart. And number one, Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Of course. So yeah. I'll 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 do my pick first this time around. And my favorite heel of '97, of course, is Bret Hart. And anybody that listens to this show for more than ten minutes knows that how big I am a mark for heel Bret Hart in the WWF in '97. One of the greatest heel runs ever, if not the greatest heel run ever. And I'm gonna I'm gonna Can go I- ahead and. Like I picked Brett as well, so okay. you get that way you don't go to me after it. You know. um, the this is my only argument for that, Nate and Aaron, and I want you to kind of go with me on this tangent here. My only problem with Bret Hart being the better heel is that when Brett went to like Canada, Brett was cheered, so he's technically not a heel in another when country. Brett went oh, anywhere Kobe. besides the United States. Yeah, the reason, the reason Brett was a great heel, even even when Brett was in Canada. He was still a piece of shit. Like it didn't no. matter what the fans are saying. The, the, a good heel will do shitty, yeah, but, terrible things and but tell you Brett exactly. Even what said it like. in one of his promos, Aaron, around the world in Canada, Germany, Europe, my fans love me. The only people who don't like me are the United States fans, and I don't know why. He said, "Thank so, you for letting me still be your hero." Right, and. And that's and that's and that is that is that is all well and good as a point. I understand what you're saying, but that's why I that's why I say it's a personal choice for me. And and I don't I don't watch we're 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 different than some people. We don't watch wrestling. We don't watch wrestling like some people watch it, where it is a bad guy and it is a good guy. We watch it as we judge on their performances. Right. Uh, we ju- and I don't know almost. I mean, there. I mean, Hogan was great as Hollywood Hogan. Ric Flair was a fantastic heel. Randy Savage was a crazy, crazy good heel. Shawn Michaels. How unlikable was Shawn Michaels in this time? But right. Just to me, that that pro Canada snarky, better than you, but like some of the some of the coolest imagery in wrestling ever is Bret Hart. In that wheelchair, holding the flag, and 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 how how tell me this? How good a heel are you when you're sitting in a wheelchair, but it still looks like you're looking down on me? Right. That, I mean, you know what I mean? That's and he was so good at it. And and they would have him up on the ramp just watching. Yeah, but like, and, it, <laughs> and, and I agree with you. And I in I believe that Bret Hart is an amazing heel, and ninety seven was great. But I, I got to bring up the fact with Hogan, like Hogan would come out and be like, I am a god. And I'm not disagreeing that Hogan no, was great, too. And like in 97, that was taboo for someone to sit there and say, I am God. I am, mm-hmm. you know, people are like, oh, like this guy is, you know, like See, it's because thing, of though. me that you're here. Here's the thing, though. Brett's transition to a heel was perfect. Because you kind of expected it because he was already bitching and moaning anyway. So all he had to do 
Austin was the band. like, all you can do is cry. Right. So, <laughs> you know, all right, I'm a baby face, but I'm bitching and moaning. Like with Hogan, too. Hogan pulled off heelish shit throughout his entire, entire career before he turned heel. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. Hulk Hogan, right. it's funny, and, and I don't mean to cut you off, Archie. No, I know what you're going to say. 80s Hogan, 80s Hogan was totally <laughs> yeah. a fucking heel. He was totally yeah. a heel. <laughs> Just said just because he said to eat, eat your vitamins and say your prayers doesn't make him a face, you know. And then, and then he got thrown over the top rope in the Royal Rumble. He's like, "What? This isn't right. This isn't fair." Yeah. Uh, screwed me, brother. He gets pulled under the ring by the giant. He runs back into the ring and bitches at Randy Savage. That's my title. I'm like, dude, let Randy Savage have his moment. The son, he's been getting his ass kicked for a year. Jesus. <laughs> you know, but. Brett transitioned perfectly because you got the bitching and the moaning anyway. All you got to do now is direct it towards the fans. They're booing you anyway, so tell them it's your fault. If you're giving it was a different year. It was it wasn't ninety seven. It was ninety six. But when like Savage beat Claire on a Nitro at the Caesar's Palace, Mm -hmm. like Hogan jumps in the ring and he's like, "Yeah, brother, yeah, yeah." And Randy's like, "You're celebrating like you won the championship, right? Right." You got busted in your eyes again. This is the biggest difference between WCW and WWF. I want to bring this up real quick. WCW gave you moments. Because think about it. There's not a bigger moment than seeing Hogan drop that leg on Savage and join the NWO. WWF gave you moments, but in a match. Right. Because you saw Bret Hart turn heel against Steve Austin. At the same the time, of Austin was turning face, even it's, though he didn't want to. And I think because that he was the getting the sympathy vote. With between you know. the two, is WCW was about moments. WWF was about matches. Right until WrestleMania, then they'd give you moments. But you're right. But, but even my in, point. But, but, but even in WrestleMania, like the moments came in the matches. Because think about it. Right. Honestly, who has gone back and watched WCW? Bash of the Beach '96. I mean, I know we, me and Aaron, we constantly I've rewatched that. Yeah, but really, you're not going back to watch fucking the Scott Hall and Kevin Nash versus fucking Luger Macho. Well, Sting. we're well, going see, back is, to watch the host turn. This is where I, I'm going to when I I'm going to get to who I think should have been on top of this list. But and like I said, Brett made the transitional turn perfectly. Hogan was off TV for like four months, so when he came out and joined the NWO, it was perfect. Nobody saw it coming, except right. for Bobby Heenan. Mm-hmm. But, but that's in Bobby my Heenan. opinion. He's always hated Hogan. In '97, the top heel should have been Kevin Nash, and here's why: this was at the time that Nash and Hull were the tag champions, and the Steiners beat them because Randy Anderson jumped in the ring and took over the count when Nick Patrick was knocked out, and then the next night on Nitro. Kevin Nash had Randy Anderson fired by Eric Bischoff in front of his wife and children. <laughs> Kevin Nash was a tormentor to everybody in the company. He would sit there and just be like, ooh, and, you know, he was always a shit-talking heel. So I think for 97, it made sense to have Nash because even though he wasn't at the forefront of the NWO, he was still one of the main members. Kevin, I, I Nash, know- Kevin Nash is also one of those guys who was a very convincing, much like Sean. Right. I'm not. I'm not. Re- I'm not reflecting on Kevin Nash today, but what I'm saying is he was. He was. He's like Sean in that time where he is good at playing a, a piece of shit because he right. was a piece of shit right. at that time. At that time, right. I'm not saying now, anything about anybody today. You brought Bobby Heenan, and I got to bring up. And I know we're going off topic here, but I I just watched it do. the other night. It's what we do. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I watched it the other night. It is. Uh, 
tail end of WCW in 97-98 when, Bre- uh, when Bobby Heenan turns heel and joins the NWO team. For like a minute? For like a minute? Right. <laughs> then they lose and start <laughs> So you're back here on Monday night, sure, huh? He's like, I'm glad you agree. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and that was it. That was it. That was the end of it. That's Heenan. So Kyle, who was your pick for best heel? And then we'll roll on. Hogan. Hogan? Okay. Yep. Um It made sense. It made sense. I have to I can't lie. But Brett is right there behind him. Oh yeah, without a doubt. Best baby face. Any guesses? There were so few. There were so few. <laughs> yeah, that lots year. of tw- lots of tweeners. Yeah, so right. it's hard to pick. That's, I'm not like you said. I don't want to make the guess because I don't want to foreshadow what I'm going to say. Um, okay. I want to go I first when we do our our choices, if that's okay. Kyle mm-hmm. said Sting. This was around the time that Sting was starting to turn crow. mid ninety seven. So Kyle well, said no, Sting. He turned in ninety six, like the tail end of ninety six, like ninety seven right. is like Sting's year. Well, yeah, but Starcade was the ending of the year when he finally fought the, for the first time as mm-hmm. Stan, so. Right, Kyle, Kyle babyface thing. Yeah, um, thing. Oh, um, he he jumped my fucking goddamn. <laughs> well, here's the here's he the reader poll. Here's what uh, the readers of the torch said: okay. three, the Undertaker. Okay. Two, Sting. One, Austin. Wow. Okay. It's Sting. Sting was the only baby face in 97. <laughs> yeah, Undertaker was in between. He was bitching about Vince. He was bitching about Brett. He was bitching about HBK. And Austin was still... He didn't make his transition till SummerSlam. You know what I mean? Even then, he was still Austin. He didn't do anything different but bleed at that match. I don't consider Austin like a true face until... Ever. Until well, until WrestleMania, the night after WrestleMania, 14. and even then, he still was stunning Vince and doing what he was doing. It's not like he changed anything. Well, no, but uh, but at that you point, know? that's when you had you had right. Vince who was the 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 asshole. In, but right, right. But I mean, I mean but I, that's, that's the main reason I picked Sting is what I just said. Nate laugh, but it's true. In nineteen ninety seven, the only true babyface in professional wrestling was Sting. Right. Like in the WWF, and it was fantastic. Everybody was out for themselves. Yep. You know? I mean, who who did the it, WWE it, really have as a baby? The Patriot, Vader. And, you know what I mean? And, and they, like I said, like Sting was the the only guy that was just like, "What is go- Like, what is going on? Is completely terrible, and I'm gonna stand up for it." Right, he Nate, was like the, you, you. You chuckled when I said it, Nate. But honestly, uh, tell me I'm wrong. Sting was the only babyface in 1990, like true babyface in '97. He he was the only main event babyface in '97, okay, and, that, and that's what we're talking about on this list. We're talking about the best ones, and and he was it. Honestly, really, with everything going on in WCW and WWF. There weren't that many huge baby faces, even in the mid card area. I mean, Val Venus, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. You know, Mark Marrow at the time, I think, and even then he was starting to turn. On WCW's side, who was there with Rey Mysterio? Okay, not a bad choice. Right. 
but who was really there that much as a face that could say, oh, they were definitely the you know a baby face for the entire crowd. I think DDP might have just started to get into the whole, you know, people's champion mode at that point. Luger was, you know, off and on. Right. Savage was off and on. Luger Giant was off and on. Luger. Luger was <laughs> Luger was never anything in the '90s WCW because you never <laughs> knew what the fuck they right. spent. They, you know, the I am so glad that the NWO happened, and here's why. And Aaron and I have discussed this before. If you guys watch from September of '95 when Nitro debuts until uh, June of '96, right before you head to Bash at the Beach and Hogan turning babyface, the predominant storyline in WCW. For like nine months, is can Sting trust Lex Luger? We can't trust Lex. You can't trust Lex Luger, brother. Right. It's like they did the same fucking thing every week. <laughs> like in nineteen ninety nine too. I think I think Randy Savage uttered the statement every week during Monday Nitro to Sting. Just keep your friend away from me, brother. Yeah, brother. Like, like <laughs> I get it. You don't want to be next to the Lex Luger, but yet for some reason you're always teaming with him. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like what? What the fuck? He, he broke your arm and put you in the torture rack. <laughs> yeah, they, they, you know, that Luger. They beat us to death. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, was he in the Dungeon of Doom? Was he not? Was he a member of just Jimmy Hart's right. table? Was he going to join the real NWO? Oh no, wait, he's in the Wolf Pack. Oh wait, what? <laughs> you know, here's yeah, what Luger. I'd like to know. I have a quick question. I again, we're going to go off topic, but. Mm-hmm. The NWO Wolfpack is made. Luke Conan joins, Macho joins, Luger joins, Sting joins. Finger poke of doom happens. Right. They're all one now except for Sting. Did Luger know that this was going to happen? <laughs> because Nash and Hall and Macho Man did and, and Conan. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So was Luger was Sting the only one not clued in? That when the finger of the doom is going to happen, we're all turning back to the white, right, and black. Right. You know. And it's a shame. Oh. The only the only match we got really between Brett and Sting was at Halloween Havoc, and that was a fucking horrible. It was bad. Horrible. Yeah, it was bad. I don't like, think it ended with a with a decision either, or did it? It was, was something bad. I know Sting got hurt. Like the, Brett. Yeah. You know. Because that was the thing. Like, they never could decide if they wanted to make Brett a good guy or a bad guy, which it's like, how in the fuck do you not make him a good guy? He, he, he took over for Luger. He was look, Luger's, Luger's, yeah. we got Luger somewhere. This is our new flip-flop guy. Right, yes. So, I think, let's uh, go round table here. I think I agree. Sting, best baby face of, of 97. Aaron says Sting. Kyle, you agree, and Archie agrees. So I, I have to agree. There's no one else. We all disagree with the tor- we all disagree with the torch readers because they said Austin, and I think he was he was he was not yet. He was not. Oh, sorry. He was not yet there yet, Austin. It might be the only time we've ever all agreed on something. All I right. think we might. I think we might all agree on the next one. Can well, we uh, disagree? Uh, can we take a break real quick? We can take our break if you would like, sir. Yes, please. I... All right. Well, we will take a break, and we will return with more. I mean, we're talking 97 still to come. We're going to talk about the match of the year, the best feud of the year, rising star. There's a lot more awards coming on this edition of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Enjoy and we will be commer- Enjoy these commercials from Big Lots where all your savings are.
All right, wrestling fans, welcome back to the Weekend Wrestle Podcast, episode 102, as we review the Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter year end awards. I'm glad you torch. I'm glad you went with the torch and not the observer. I am I am I am a torch reader and not an observer reader. I am a Wade Keller guy. Uh, Wade's not Wade's not always right, but I have always I don't know why, but I've just always been a bigger Wade fan than a Meltzer fan. Uh, Don't worry, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I don't know much about Japanese wrestling, so don't worry. Saknash Numanabada. I don't know that guy. (laughs) Don't worry, ladies and gentlemen. Our glasses are full and our bladders are empty. Yes. We're ready for, <laughs> for now. For now. For now. Nate pees more than everybody just behind the I'm scenes. Like the yard, I'm just saying. But uh, any, anyway, ladies and gentlemen, before we get in back into 97 on the torch, um, of course, as is customary, after our first break, we are going to do our shameless plugs. And I want to start out first with a, with a non-customary one. Um, there is a guy that is a very good friend of mine that listens to both the Motley Soup and the We Can't Wrestle podcast. And as we record this on Friday night, the 31st of July, uh, the episode will probably be up tomorrow on the 1st anyway. He is getting married tomorrow. So I want to give a shout-out to a buddy of mine named Chris Shepard, who is getting hitched tomorrow. Chris, congratulations to his wonderful fiancée, who's a great chick, Nikki. Um, Chris is also the drummer for a local band here called Caitlin Schmidt and the Move. Check them out on YouTube. Um, Yeah, and I just want to congratulate Chris. Congratulations, Chris. Thank you. Hopefully it lasts longer than mine, too. (laughs) (laughs) No no comment out of me. No comment out of me. Thanks for being the black fucking fucking cloud, Kyle. That's that's supposed to be Aaron's job. I hope I'm hoping that they fucking do well. Hey, I, I, I can, hey, I, whoa, whoa. I'm a glimmering ray of sunshine <laughs> on light. I married, I married horse. I can't, I, <laughs> you know, it's not my, look. It's like the one thing you I know we're going to do shameless plugs, but I almost got in trouble in my first divorce because we went to the, the court and they said, oh, we like in the state of Ohio. We like to try to keep marriages together. Is there any way we can keep this? You know, can we reconcile this? I said, no, Your Honor. I said, you ask, mind if I ask why? I said she is a whore. <laughs> Did Mr. Army have to ask you why? Like I picture, this court? I now, picture oh, like a, I picture like a, a Michael Douglas courtroom scene with you, like right. she is a whore, Your Honor. <laughs> but, yeah. but Nate, I'm why Your Honor? Because Your Honor, like. I'm, I'm pictured. I'm picturing her dressed like a '70s style Vegas whore with like a beaded dress and a <laughs> long pocket, big hair, and big hair. And he, she is yeah. a whore, and the judge is like, "Please refrain from using that word." Well, Your Honor, he's not lying. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Please refrain from using that type of language, and you, I'll see you in my chambers later. <laughs> <laughs> Definite shameless plugs here. If you are not a member of the We Can't Wrestle Facebook group, as Aaron would say, go ahead, Aaron. Why the fuck aren't you? <laughs> what are That's you right. fucking waiting for? And also, of course, we want to talk about Mr. Mitchell and World Championship Customs. Well, yeah, we're, we're still growing. We're almost at 1,000 members. Uh, we have amazing customizers. A gentleman just joined yesterday who does uh, Marvel Customs, mm-hmm. and he was showing off a, a Magneto and a, a Dr. Octopus, which were unbelievable. Uh, our admin team is very strong. We're all very close. We're brothers, like we are here in the We Can't Wrestle podcast and the the, the asylum. 
Um, and I mean, it, it's not about buying, it's not about selling, and it's not about any kind of raffles or events. Just come down and show your work. That's all we want to see because we encourage it. No, ain't nobody judging nobody there. But tonight, Nate's not hating on events because I won Bobby Andrews' event. That's right. Tonight, the Mo Two uh, Muscles. Yes, I have cool things. And I will say that that in Archie's group, they don't hate on you because that NWA ring I built. I didn't think it was that great, but everybody. No, was like, I I told you it was great. Come on now, why am I gonna yeah. lie? I'm not blowing smoke on it. And the cool thing about that. about the World Championship Customs is you got questions, man. There was a question the other day. Someone was asking, "Hey, what's the best thing to use for skin tone for a character for a custom?" People yep. are willing to help you and, and tell you what yep. they use and their best you know advice. So yes, I get we, PMs at four and five in the morning some nights because I'm an insomniac. And there'll be a guy from Germany like, so, mate, what do you use? What kind of paint? What kind of brushes? And I'll sit there at 5 in the morning. I'll have to turn the light on, and I'll take pictures of the stuff I use. I'm <laughs> like, I don't know if you have this in Germany or, you know, wherever you are in the U.K., but this is what I use. And he's like, oh, I could order that. Thank you very much. Archie's like, I don't even Archie's like, I don't even know where Belarus is. Right. He turns the lights on. He puts his glasses on. He... This is our only member from Fredonia. <laughs> All right, so um, um, I want to take a quick shout out to Mark, uh, buddy. Buddy. the Asylum uh, Asylum Wrestling Store dot com. Mm-hmm. Um, guys, I know that for all those who are collectibles, you usually go to like a ringside or anything else. These guys are the new kids in town, and I'm going to tell you right now: if you've ever had any issues with ringside or any place else. Damaging your uh, your you boxes here. and collectors. These guys are top notch, man. Your package is going to be packed securely, safely. And Arch- Archie and I can attest to the fact of the quality of human beings that you'll be doing. Oh yeah, uh, business with David oh, yeah. Gold, Mike Zecca, Rocky Turner, Nick Francis, Nick Francis, uh, John over Jeff the Dean, myself and Nate. Uh, over you know, the we- asylum, they know how to handle your package. <laughs> <laughs> but deliveries yeah. in the, what was that line from Chuck and Larry? Deliveries in the rear. Uh, I think I just saw, like, I just saw a post in the asylum the other day, or just today, where somebody was saying they ordered uh, some uh, legends from Target and they creased the packages and everything else. That and was Jamin and Wooten, wasn't it? Yeah. Jamin, it happened to everybody who ordered from Target pre-order. Only like two people got one. If you guys if you good. go if you go to the asylum, you're not gonna have to worry about that because nope. you're buying from collectors mm-hmm. who understand what it means to be a yep. collector. Right. Yep. And that won't that I assure you that will not be forgotten as we grow. Nope. Um nope. and speaking of the asylum growing, um I mean what we're 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 at the cusp of four K. Oh yeah, yeah, I believe it's thirty and change right now. We're like yeah. a few away from 3,600. Um, and I want to say something. We have brought in countless guests already for the virtual meet and greets, Nate. Mm-hmm. And they do their best to promote, but they're not just promoting themselves. God bless them. It's not just come see me. It's come join the asylum. Yes. Come be a part of it because it's not once I'm gone, there's going to be other people coming in. And their their followers and their fans are joining and they're being active and being involved. I mean, we don't just have almost 3,600 followers and members. We have 3,500 and change people that are active. They're exactly. actually talking, commenting, playing in the events, being a part of the meet and greets. And it's it's amazing because I don't think there's any other group that has 3,500 active members when they have that many people involved. Right. So, Absolutely. Family. Absolutely. Yep. Yes. 
the Asylum, World Championship Customs, the Nerd Closet, and the We Can't Wrestle podcast. You know what? Getting those four groups, so that's really all you'll need, folks. And I agree. And I again, I know I love Aaron or I love Nate to death, but he's not a big guy on shameless plugs. But uh, his wife is starting a brand new podcast. Yes. Oh. Yes, she is. Um, you all know about the Motley Soup podcast, um, which I shamelessly plug all the time here and in the group. And uh, Kendall will be starting a podcast, which will be launching this weekend. Um, if you've listened to a couple episodes of the show, we, we were doing, she, she did some shows where it was, it was all about her and I kind of shut my face and just listened and, uh, where she's talking about, uh, murderers, criminals, things of that nature, like crime mysteries, things like that. And, uh, the show will be launching this weekend and it is called criminal wind W I N E D. Cause she likes to drink some wine while she's podcasting. So please definitely, and we will have a link to that, obviously, uh, because I like being that's, married and I love my wife <laughs> in the awesome. uh, in the We Can't Wrestle group and the Motley Soup group. So stay tuned because uh, she's going to do a great job. She does her research. Uh, she works much harder mentally than I ever do at doing any of these shows. So, yes, definitely check that out. It's way um, more cultured because we get drunk on beer and liquor. She gets drunk on wine. <laughs> yeah, right yeah. True. <laughs> I have a feeble little page. Go ahead. It's shameless plug time, brother. It's a feeble little page. It's got like 85 members. But that's growth. I mean, when did you start it? Uh, like a month ago. No. 85 in a month ain't bad. It, no, it was like a week and a half, two weeks ago, Aaron. <laughs> okay. Well, in a month. I don't sleep much. I don't know, man. <laughs> Days run together. Yeah, they all run together. But anyway, it's called Trading Chops, and it's not about pork chop recipes unless you guys want to put them on there. That's fine. There's I like only... a good pork chop recipe. Oh, I love a good fucking pork chop. <laughs> My favorite cut of meat. But um, there's only three rules on it. No religion, no politics, no COVID-19 talk. That's the only rules. Everything else... Fair talk game. About whatever you want to talk about on it, and it has some of the funniest shit that's on. Oh, without a doubt. Oh, without a doubt. Absolutely. All right, so we've done our shameless plugging. Let's roll on. Ninety-seven. I I, I said before the break. I don't think this next category we're going to have much disagreement. Of nineteen ninety-seven, what was the f- best wrestling TV show? Raw. Oh, Sorry. that's a hard one. Um, Ooh, boy. That's not hard, Archie. It's not. Well, I know there's two of them, but I mean, I'm, I'm sure. Well, the, the, the Readers of the Torch, number three, ECW. Of course. Number two, Nitro. Number one, Raw, and I can't disagree. Raw in 97 hit its hit its stride and yep. was amazing. And even though the ratings don't show it for another few months, yeah, mm-hmm. Raw, was, Raw was taking over. And that's I, not even off of Nitro. Like, Nitro was really good in 97. You know, Aaron, people don't look, think of it this way. They're thinking, oh, Raw won the ratings. Yeah, but, like, by a point. Yeah. Nitro won that night. Yeah, but, like, by 10,000 viewers. That's not a lot. Right. That just means somebody chose to, to tune in a little longer than they did to the other show. Like, you, you know? combine, like you combine Raw and Nitro. I can't, I can't say this and say, oh, like I'm nine or 10 million viewers at a time. That's what I'm gonna say. Like I can't say that I'm accurate in this because I'm not a. I don't know, but I would assume that if you would combined 
the people that were watching Raw and the people that were watching Nitro, it doesn't even compare if you would combine the people that are watching fucking AEW and even WWE. Now. Nah. Oh, no. Nah. Oh, no. Raw like, I'm not saying like WWE Raw. I'm saying WWE. Right. Like Ooh. Raw, SmackDown, okay. NXT, and AEW. Raw did equal last week. People were watching in 97. Last week on Raw, they did a 1.6, which basically means 2 million people were watching them. SmackDown did a 1.4, which means it was just under 2 million people. And AEW and NXT combined did 1.4 million viewers. So that's nowhere near one episode of Raw back in 97. Right. And that's even when business was down. Right. (laughs) That's why David Gold and I have that argument all the time. About, you know, he likes to bring up, well, YouTube and DVR and blah. Still, even still, even if you add some YouTube viewers and some DVR viewers right. and et cetera, et cetera, you're still not going to get to the number of, of two or three million people. End of story. And, here, and here's the thing. Like, with WCW Nitro and Raw, it's like absolute, apples and oranges because you're getting two different things from those shows. Mm-hmm. Because with Nitro, you're going to get, you know some NWO, you're going to get a bunch of jobber matches, maybe a main event. <laughs> 97, the fucking gloves came off for all. Kyle, let me ask you a question. Yes. Any ending of Raw or Nitro, 97, mm-hmm. they made you want to tune into the next week's show. You were chomping at the bit for six days waiting for the next Monday. Hell yeah. Yep. Well, with even Nitro, with the Yeti, even when the Yeti bursted out of that damn ice block, you wanted to watch Halloween <laughs> Havoc. Even, like, what even in, was that? Yes. I was going to say, even in perverse curiosity. Right. The problem with <laughs> Nitro was the reason why you wanted to tune in next week is because they cut the fucking feed. Right. Five minutes they knew what they were doing. You like what busted out of that ice block? Was right. it a monkey? Was it a mummy? Was it a Yeti? Was it a, a guy in toilet paper? We don't know. Did he hump Hulk Hogan was, in Halloween was, Havoc? Did he not? Was it, you know? was it Bruno San Martino going two times, two times? Two times. And two it times. Was, was, it, was it Bruno? Was it an orangutan? Nitro what started did? at what, eight? Sometimes they started at 7.55. Right. Well, well, and Raw started at nine. And so and then, you have a lot of the stuff going on where it's like, right. Um, They'll be like, oh, in the next hour, at the top of the next hour, because right. you knew what they were trying to do. They were trying oh, yeah. to. But my point is, they left you on a cliffhanger every week on both shows. Mm-hmm. Now, when I watch Raw Smack and SmackDown, I'll only say that about Raw and SmackDown. There is no cliffhanger. <laughs> I haven't. I haven't finished. I haven't even watched SmackDown yet, and I haven't finished Raw. It's still on my DVDR. With forty-five minutes remaining. Movie cliffhanger. Right. I, I was gonna say now, that now they end you, they leave you with a hang me on a cliff, please. Right, right. Like what? <laughs> I'd rather watch this a Bruder film than watch. Fucking, <laughs> you know? Now NXT and back into the left. I feel like into the left. You know the movie. You know the movie you Cast Away. You. you know the movie Cast Away. Yeah, yeah. Where Tom Hanks is up on that fucking mountain and he's like, "Oh, this is where I'm gonna hang myself." Like he's right. like, "I'm end it." <laughs> That's the cliffhanger I feel like I'm at now <laughs> when I watch this shit. Now, NXT and AEW And then I throw that fucking nerf ball off. And I'm like, oh, well, it didn't work out well for that thing. AEW and NXT are doing their best to leave people in a point where they want to watch the following week. 
the shit they're doing with Cody and the TNT title. Who's who's going to challenge him again next week? You know, the, the stuff NXT's doing with all these new guys popping up. That's a little better. But Raw and SmackDown are leaving me going, man, I kind of hope they cancel next week for the Westminster Dog Show. <laughs> you know? this, is the, this is the only current product thing I'm going to say. You guys ready? Yep. It's the only current, current product thing I'm going to say. I am ready. I watched an Impact mm-hmm. after anniversary pay-per-view yep and i watched the entire show and it was really good it was it was a really good show everything was wrestling oriented the last yeah. couple weeks the pay-per-view even when they had a vignette of something stupid going on it had to do with the upcoming match it didn't have to do with something bullshit that mm-hmm. we didn't need to know about like right now you impact know? not terrible no so you guys need to give that a chance it just sucks that they're not on a channel that everybody gets you know, so they're not getting the viewers that they deserve. Think if they were on Spike TV right now or whatever Paramount channel, or they would have got to deal with TNT instead of AEW. Impact might be a, a massive force right now. Right. So the next category for ninety seven is match of the year. Oh. And I'm not because matches wow. vary and et cetera, et cetera. I'm not gonna get anybody's guess. I'm gonna read their top three and uh then uh, this time around, we will start with Archie, and we'll give our selections. Match of the year, uh, number three in the PW Torch reader poll was the uh, aforementioned Ray Jr.-Eddie Guerrero match from Halloween Havoc. Unbelievable match. Um, number two was Brett Austin at 13. Yep. yep and number it. one was Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker at Bad Blood in the Hell in a Cell match. I have no I knew problem that. with that list. I actually agree 100% because Austin, um, HBK versus Undertaker was revolutionary in the Hell in a Cell match. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one of the better Hell in a Cell matches until Mick Foley decided to jump off the cell and be put through it the next time they did it. Um, they introduced Kane, and, I mean, it really was an all-around good match. Sean and, the, and the Undertaker busted their asses. Yes, and again, much like everything else in 97... It's like nothing you'd ever seen before. Nope. Exactly. You know? And the um, other two matches being at second and third, I could agree with both. Mm-hmm. I maybe would flip-flop Ray Jr. and and Eddie to, to two, but all three deserve their spots. I would flip-flop, uh, and I know this is going to be maybe controversial, but I'd flip-flop Austin and Brett for Sean and, and Taker. Okay. okay. Just a simple fact. Well, and that's the thing. These matches are all so good. A case can be made for anyone. Right. And as a matter of my, fact, as a matter of fact, my favorite match isn't even on the list. So here, here's the Mine problem I have with Sean versus Taker in the Hell in the Cell. You know, I, I know we're talking the Torch and not the Observer, so it doesn't really matter about Dave Meltzer, but Dave Meltzer gave this five stars. It was a fucking non-finish. <laughs> basically, mm-hmm. it was a fucked finish. How can that be five stars with, you know, Right. True. True. A, per- a perfect match should have a beginning, a middle, and an end. Yeah. And, and don't get me wrong, it's a great match and it's a great storytelling, you know, device mm-hmm. to bring in Kane. And it's fucking brilliantly done. And three quarters of it is fucking amazing. Sean and Taker, I mean, they do amazing things. But the fact is that when it comes down to it, if you want to talk about a strict wrestling match, the fact that Kane comes out and, you know, you were sold on the fact that nobody gets in, nobody gets out. 
Mm-hmm. And one, we already saw Sean and Taker get out. Right. And Kane rips the fucking door off of the hinges, which, I mean, granted, in 97, that was great. Now we see it all the time. But, you know, in 97, it was great because it was new. But the fact is, like, I don't see how that's five stars because it's not a straight it's a, You're match. making a valid point. I, I agree with all the selections. I will say, though, again, like I said, mine is not on here. To my mind, the best match of 97 is the 10-man tag at the Canadian oh. Stampede. God damn you, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> that match is amazing. It's the only, it's honestly the only more than two-on-two tag team match that I would ever say is absolutely great. That match is fucking perfect. That is perfect. story like no other 10-man tag should have. And no other match should have. Right. It's it's, surprised. I'm surprised the Ahmed Johnson match from fucking WrestleMania is not there. Here we go, that's my For one, Johnson. In, in that fucking match, everybody does their goddamn job. Mm-hmm. Nobody, nobody in that match tries to overshadow the other person, which is what you shouldn't do in a match. Like I, I, I understand that, like in a match, two guys or four guys or whatever should try to steal the show. But when right. you're in a match, you shouldn't try to like scoop heat or whatever. Yeah, you should try. You should, yeah, you should try to steal the show together, not from each other. Yeah, right. Like, like with Archie was saying, like with Shawn Michaels when he kicked Vader in the head and shit. That was bullshit. That's not something mm-hmm. right. No. But in this match, these ten fucking guys had no fucking ego. Nope. And understood. We're going to go out there in front of this fucking crowd and we're going to do our goddamn jobs. Yep. And we're going to be professionals and we're going to oh, do and, what we need to do. And keep each other safe, too. That. Nobody got hurt. And through mm-hmm. the whole fucking thing, everybody did their goddamn job. And yep. I'll add this something else that should be talked about in a, in a wrestling match. And I know fans for the most part, don't matter. But crowd interaction matters and crowd response matters. And this, I don't think there's a better fucking crowd for a goddamn wrestling match than I've ever seen in that goddamn saddle dome for that fucking 10-man tag. Mm -hmm. Like, this match is wrestling art. It is. And Uh, from... Everything fell right into fucking place. You mm-hmm. know, you look at the team that was the, the the Hart Foundation team was filled with five great technical wrestlers. It's Brett, Billman, Bulldog, right. Anvil, Owen versus Shamrock, Goldust, LOD, and Steve Austin. Right. Right. And here, this is my point. The, the five members of Hart Foundation worked like a well-oiled unit. The other five guys, well, it looked like because, you, you know, you got the commentary team saying, can they trust each other? Austin has bad blood with this guy and that guy. That told the story, too. You know what I mean? When Austin had to leave the match and then came back out and, and beat the yeah. crap out of the Hart family in the in the uh, crowd. And, you know, it the, the match told, like, five different stories at once. You were able to keep up with all of it. A match that I, I think 
gets overshadowed and doesn't get talked about a lot is uh, Taker versus Brett at fucking SummerSlam. Yeah. Because the simple fact, if you want to talk about a wrestling match, a wrestling match is nothing more than a story, it's drama, it's everything else. That match has everything in it. You have you have Taker, who's the champion, versus Brett, who wants his title back. Brett says, if I don't win, I'm never wrestling in this country again. Sean, who's the referee, and you know Sean and Brett hate each other. And if Sean does anything wrong... wrong Yes. Sean that, gets fired. That spit. When Brett spits yep. in Sean's face and Sean yep. fucking wails back and hits Taker and yep. has to count that. I'm telling you, when he has to count that fucking three and he goes one, two, and he fucking stops and just looks at what? Brett. Is it right at you, you could tell he wanted to look at Brett and go, you motherfucker, but he couldn't. He couldn't <laughs> exactly. Because the camera was right in his face. That's fucking storytelling. That's pro wrestling. So that's your pick, Kyle? This is SummerSlam 97 match. And it's cool if it is, man, because that's a fan. No, 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 no. My, my pick is Austin versus Brett at WrestleMania. Yeah, I'm I saying a match that gets overlooked yeah. is fucking Brett and, and Taker at SummerSlam. Best feud of 97. The readers of the Pro Wrestling Torch voted at number three the WWF and WCW. At number two, WCW and the NWO. That's my number one. And at number one, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. I disagree. I think the best feud of 97 was Bret Hart and Steve Austin. Nate, I agree with you. Mine is... WCW versus the NWO. I don't know. Look, so, I know that was a feud, but I don't know that I can consider that a real feud. As far it's it's a two it was like two companies going at it. Like I'm, what was the '99 feud? WWF versus WCW. You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna elaborate a little bit, and then because um, I I won't get too wordy on this because I'm never wordy. But Brett and Brett and Austin have it's it's one of the greatest feuds of all time it's like saying that in 89 either steamboat and flair or hogan and savage weren't the number one feud austin and brett feuded most of the year and to what a lot of people will say is one of the reasons of of w the pulse of ecw in like 95 96 was raven and dreamer where everything revolved around their feud and kind of branched off from their feud Yes, Austin and Brett was the nucleus for the WWF in 97. And, and, and what more memories can you have than, like you were talking about earlier, Kyle, with Austin waiting to see who's next in the Rumble, and there's Brett. Or that double turn at WrestleMania. Or is not one of the greatest Raws of all time. Brett and the Steve Raw. Yes, where the Raw, where Austin comes out at the beginning and challenges Brett to the no-holds-barred match, and then he does the little countdown, and then Brett comes out, and Brett gets beat up, and then he gets put in the ambulance, and then Austin winds up driving. These guys electrified 1997. I don't know how anything, even WCW versus NWO, could be. And the reason I say that also, WCW versus NWO, okay, I'm going to give them credit that they really all year were building to Hogan and Sting. 
Yes. So, so you had to make Sting come in and defeat the NWO, etc. But man, '97 did a lot to hurt that company because the W, the NWO just butt fucked WCW for an entire year, except for Sting. Except everybody, for Sting, everybody got beat up except for Sting. And that's why I say that, in my opinion, yeah, there was that. Sting and like, Sting oh, versus man. Hogan. Sting versus huh? Hogan is the feud. Me but they even hurt that feud. They hurt that feud, and here's why. And I'm not trying to be argumentative, and no, I'm not no. trying to go on forever. They killed... They really, really hurt Sting and Hogan when in the middle of the year they put Luger over Hogan for the title. See, Remember? I was going to say that. Yep. That that was actually a really cool... And it goes back to what Kyle said. A cool fucking moment. Like, Luger beating Hogan was a cool fucking... Everybody moment. coming out and grabbing Luger, the and Giants wiping the NWA popped, off the belt, and, and, you know. And but then, the, the fucking don't, you, don't you think that took steam off of Sting, though? Yes. No one should have beaten Hogan until Sting got to him. No, but, but, but I'm just saying that, that fucking dy- dynamic with WCW versus the NWO, it... It... Um, interest little Aaron. He was interested in <laughs> Right. Now, let me, add, let me say this, because in 1997, when WWF took the gloves off and was like, you know what, fuck you guys, we're gonna, you know, show you. If if Sting versus Hogan hadn't been the centerpiece in 97, do you really think WCW would have lasted? No, because the, the, the NWO killed off the company, essentially. Exactly. It was the whole year was based on what Sting, when Sting and Hogan going to face each other. What's right? It, because I'm going to be honest with you. As much as I love WCW, WWF in 1997, 98, they fucking killed it. Yes, yes, in 96, maybe WCW was kicking WWF's ass, but fucking Vince McMahon was like, "Hold my beer." <laughs> well, I'm just saying. To me, in 97. It was WCW versus the NW. So, which culminated at a pay-per-view, which was Starcade, and our next topic is best pay-per-view. I kind of forced that, that, uh, that. Yeah, that was there. that wasn't a great transition. Yeah, it wasn't. I that was the one, it. the one I hated the most. <laughs> <laughs> the I heard, I good. heard, I actually in the direction of New Jersey, I heard. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> the pro wrestling torch rates. This is the worst transition ever. <laughs> <laughs> Next so podcast, worst late transition. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's try to say this. So every week it builds up to the pay per view. And speaking of building up to pay per view, <laughs> yeah, so I'll edit the rest out so I don't look like a dumbass. <laughs> no, you know, so, I didn't say you look like a dumbass. I know, I know. <laughs> you said so. Me. I'll say so it. We, <laughs> you look like a dumbass. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so I actually had a hard time with this one. I actually had a hard time with this one. This is I, best pay per view. Wow. I had a hard time with the feud one, the and the tag team one. The the torch readers picked at three ECW barely legal. Good pay per view. Yeah. At two WCW Starcade '97, of course, with Sting what? and Hogan. Okay, at number people. at number one, they picked WrestleMania 13, and that is what I picked. 
now hold on a second. Starcade ninety seven. With Hogan and Sting, yes. Okay. You have Hogan so, and Sting and Zabisco versus Bischoff. Mm-hmm. That's with it. Brett as the referee. Right. That's it. The rest of that fucking card is fucking horrible. <laughs> I was just Kyle, I was thinking the same thing. I'm like and even How, Bischoff and but isn't, Zabisco wasn't good. Isn't that classic WCW? They always had like uh, either a really good undercard and a terrible main event card, or a really good main event card and a terrible undercard. Does anybody remember Bischoff you know loading his foot with the brick and it flying out before he made contact with yeah. Bischoff yeah. <laughs> into the Ray, crowd? Ray Mysterio, who is the wrestler of the year, according to, one of the wrestlers of the year, according to these fans, isn't even on the fucking show. He's in the right. fucking crowd. Right. Make way, make way fucking, uh, <laughs> Aaron's getting attacked by a helicopter right now. What the hell is going on? <laughs> Wait a minute, that's that's the monster from Ghostbusters, right? That Zool. But make, but make way, but make way. Welcome to Lima. <laughs> like, are you shitting me, guys? Really? What like, is this? what is that? Hold, Hold on, on, Kyle. Hold on. I think we have to edit this out of the show. Yeah, I'm gonna have to edit this all out. All right. Aaron in his Area 51 shit. <laughs> Aaron, Aaron, did you release Zool? <laughs> all right, are you so, the key master? Are we good? Yes, I think so. What the hell? All right. I yeah, don't you're... control helicopters. All right. Are you guys ready? Ready. But yeah, you're going to sit here and tell me that you're going to fucking keep Rey Mysterio in the crowd and not even have him on the show when <laughs> right. he was voted as number, like one of the, the top Three, wrestlers think, of the yeah. year. But make way for fucking Jerry Lynn. <laughs> As Mr. JL. We didn't even call him Jerry Lynn. Jesus. Like, how is that a fucking pay-per-view of the year? <laughs> what was it with WCW putting English, white American guys under mask and calling them Japanese? Canadian Stampede isn't even on the fucking list. Mm-hmm. Right. thought right. it was so bad. So, okay. so, Kyle... You you are very passionate about this. What is your pick for pay, best pay per view of '97? I'm going to have to go with Canadian Stampede. And see, Canadian Stampede and SummerSlam were the ones I had a trouble deciding between. Canadian Stampede is almost a perfect pay per view. There's not a bad match. You know, you start out with the Sasuke um, Taka, uh, Taka match. Um, you have the match between Foley and and Hunter, um, and there's Vader and Undertaker, which it's it's there, but it's still. I mean, those two guys have a good match for two yes, big guys. Do. And then you know you've got your you've got your your the ten man that we already talked about. It's 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 a perfect pay per view. Now ninety SummerSlam ninety seven, it's just such a well balanced card. There was so much going on. The war between the Hart Foundation, you know, with all the stipulations, uh, it, it was really cool. And like you said earlier, that, that I mean, I, now it, when and Kyle will remember, Archie, you might not because you may have not heard the episode or not. But when we many many moons ago, when we did our favorite finishes, like our favorite match finishes mm-hmm. of all time, my favorite finish to a match of all time is the finish to the the Undertaker Bret Hart. 97 SummerSlam yes, match. Yes, I agree. That's my favorite finish of all time. Uh, so, yeah, mine. I, I really did have to cheat and have a toss-up between that, that Stampede and that SummerSlam. And I, and I, and I see where you're coming from. My, my problem with, with SummerSlam 97 is that you go into it with a lot of 
empty promises. Yeah. Well, no. Everybody delivered on their stipulation except Jim Neidhart. He never shaved his beard. He didn't shave his beard. <laughs> and did, and I Can you imagine? <laughs> and Christy Todd Whitman's pantsuit. I mean, how awesome was yeah, that? Yeah, that's true. Like, <laughs> she looked like that fucking guy from fucking 30 Rock. She looked like Balky <laughs> is what she looked like. No, she looks Christy- like Jack McBride. <laughs> And I think the, the other the other big difference between the two pay per views is the fact that like with SummerSlam you have such an expectation with it. I gotta grab mm-hmm. some beers, guys. So, so like with SummerSlam, Aaron, Aaron, don't leave. What's your favorite pay per view of '97? WrestleMania 13. Okay. Okay. Go get your beer. Goddamn! You should know that already. Austin Brett match is fantastic. Taker and um, Sid is great. Brett comes out in it, and then he's like, hop along, and Sid's like, hop along, you know? <laughs> Cry, baby. <laughs> Cry, baby. And that fucking goddamn LOD, Ahmed Johnson versus the Nation of Domination, Chicago Street Fights, fucking fantastic. <clears throat> it, it's a great fucking show. Was that was that the match that then the next night on Raw sparked DOA and Los Bariquas? I think so. Yeah, hot as a end of the first nation. Sabio Vega, hot as a jalapeno pepper, your ass is fired. That's wow. one of my favorite Ron Simmons lines ever. <laughs> yep. But I wanted to get Aaron's. I wanted to get Aaron's thing because he said he was leaving to go get a beer. That, so, that's fine. but I think the, the the thing is that like, whenever we watch like WrestleMania or SummerSlam or Royal Rumble, we know going into it that it is going to be a good show. It's it's given right. It's, it's the it's pay-per-view. The big four. Right. You know, mm-hmm. it is what it is. Survivor Series included in that. You like you know going into it it's like, oh, it, it, it's almost like Wrestle Kingdom. Like going into that, like you know that, you know, it's going right. to get a couple extra stars because you know the the venue and everything around it. Right. But when you have a pay-per-view that is in your house that is a throwaway pay-per-view like Canadian Stampede and it fucking right. produces like already, you have the the crutch because it's not a big four pay per view. No one was expecting anything out of it. No. Everybody was thinking, okay, the the ten man tag will be a blow off because it's got to be Brett winning it. And, right. and honestly, and honestly, who? Go ahead. And honestly, between you guys and me, like I said, has there ever been a better ten man tag than that? No. Usually, no. there are cluster. No. No, like I said earlier, like when I was talking about that match, there I, there has never been a tag match with more than two versus two. Whether it be a six man, an eight man, a ten man, right. that is that is ever like those matches to me always serve. They always appear to be the match to get as many guys on the card as we can. They don't they don't right. serve to me to be right. a good match that I'm really going to be interested in. That ten man. It's perfection, like Aaron said. It's it's a perfect match. You can't. I dare anybody to watch that match and find anything wrong with it. Even no. the ending celebration, the entire Hart family comes into the ring. Mm-hmm. They're dropping balloons and and glitter, and even you would swear someone just won a world title. And the fact right. that, like I said, they have they have the best involvement of Stu Hart. Mm-hmm. Right. He doesn't come in. He doesn't come in and you know punch out Steve Austin. No. Fucking, it's Bruce that fucking fucks with Steve, and Steve thinks it's Stu, so he turns around and... Right. <laughs> Knocks the hell out of Stu. 
So the only person, Archie, what's your pick? I, 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 agree. I agree with Kyle. I think it's Canadian Stampede because from top to bottom, it's a good card. Like I said, the ending scenario of the hearts having the hero celebration. Um, mm-hmm. And like I said, it's like that someone won a world title to end the show. You don't go into that pay-per-view expecting it to be a five-star pay-per-view. You expect, okay, I plopped down twenty nine ninety nine to watch this 10-man tag. And then every match right. has a story to tell. And then the final match has 20 stories to tell. And you're mm-hmm. enthralled to watch it. And Sokka so. and Taka didn't even have a story. Like, it wasn't right. even. <laughs> right. It was two guys beating each other up, hoping to win the cruiser with the light heavyweight title somewhere yes. down the line. <laughs> you know? So our next category is Rising Star of 97. Now, the torch viewers or readers, Aaron, you're gonna love this one. Number three, the Buff Bagwell. What? Jesus Christ. Number two, Ken Shamrock. Ugh. And the uh, torch readers in '97 picked as the number one rising star in pro wrestling. Who I think it is. Oh Lord, could they not have been more correct? Rocky Maivia. That's not who I said. No, I don't think it was, I don't agree with that either. Sorry, I had to let the dog in. That's all right. Um, you mean you didn't let the dogs out? <laughs> who, who, who the fuck is this? It's Nate's evil twin, Mate, Ma- Mate Maxon. <laughs> um, double Nate. I can. Rising star for me in 1997 was Chris Jericho. I was going to say the same thing. Um, and everything he did, I can see. I can see Ken Not Shamrock. Pick. I can uh, see. I absolutely dislike Ken Shamrock. So yeah, I can't. I can't agree with him being on the list. Why? Because he but, won the Intercontinental Title well, as a part no, of the corporate ministry. Ninety-seven. He was it, like it was ninety-nine. Ninety-nine. My point is, what was he really doing in ninety-seven? Okay, his feud with Owen, with Owen was good. <laughs> But it was overshadowed by everything else going on. But he was—he mm-hmm. was—he was that guy that was coming in. And he was—he had a lot of hype behind him. Forget for the fact that, like, we know how it's going to play out. At the time, because you got to think, like, at that time, he fucking challenges uh, Mike Tyson before fucking Austin even has right. an interaction with Tyson. But he wasn't very good at it. No, he right. wasn't good at it, but I mean, that's why he's a rising star, not a fucking. Well, he never got good at it, though. Like, no, I, I, I I, I'll be honest with you, and, and I'm not even disagreeing, or I'm, I will never debate the fact of Ken Shamrock's real life, honest to God, fighting credibility. He would bend me into a pretzel and kick me down the street, okay? I, I am in no way disparaging the good goddamn name of Ken Shamrock. However, buy me a pretzel. He never did anything for me as a pro wrestler. Ever. No, no. I like I, Dan I, I like Dan Severn better as a pro wrestler. Uh, Dan Severn had better fucking music too. Yes. <laughs> But Shamrock, no, no. and I know I'm getting off topic here, but not not really because he was voted in this poll. But that guy just never did it for me. Like it, I always, I could, you know, I could see I'm if it was saying, a top ten, but not in the top three, and definitely not number two. I'm saying in '97, who were, who were he in had the all the potential. 
It was Buff Ooh. Bagwell, Ken Shamrock, and number one was uh, Rocky Maivia. I agree with Rock. I agree with Rock. I agree with Chris Jericho. I think it should have been Jericho because in 97, Jericho was doing things that not many others were doing. You and guys want he, to pick? Yeah, go for it. Nate, you ready? Yeah. No, you're not paying attention. I am. Okay. Well, my pick for 1997 Rising Star is Triple H. Hunter Hearst Helmsley. In 97, that guy started his ascension. Like in 95, he was like, you know, the aristocrat, blue blood, even with fucking Duke the Dumpster and Henry Godwin. And in 96... He floated along because he fucked up. Pushed. <laughs> he, he fucked up with like the curtain call thing. But in like 97, that guy became a fucking star. But he wasn't the, the main attraction of it. But he was still in the mix. You know what I mean? Like his feud with like Gold Dust and Foley and all that shit. So. In 97, a rising star in 97 was Triple H. It's not a horrible choice. I agree. It's, it's a good choice. But the, my only problem is is he he had someone to lean on or a few people to lean on in order to get there. He my had China and HBK. Aaron said it. <laughs> and, and my pick is not, not on the list. Uh, now I I just want to go back and clarify because we we kind of we we did a uh, one of our things where we we start talking about the topic and then I bitch or whatever and the shit gets lost in the shuffle. So are Archie and Kyle? Did you agree, Rocky Maivia? No, I said Chris no, Jericho. I said Chris Jericho. Okay. Yes. All right. So none of us agree because to me. Uh, we're all forgetting. I think a rising, the rising star, and and I agree with Jericho, hands down. Jericho was, I mean, he made such strides in '97. However, I see Jericho's breakout year as '98. Okay, because of the feud with etc. Mm-hmm. So I'm not disagreeing with you guys at all. But what I'm saying is, for me personally, the breakout star of '97 was Rey Mysterio. You know, I mean, he really, really hit that national state. And I know he came into WCW in 96, but 97, WCW gave him a platform to show the American audience what he could really do. And he fucking lit it up. So I think all of our picks were great picks. And and a case can be made for any. (laughs) I, 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 I I, I think mine was the best. But that's I was just about to say, I think Aaron's was the worst. Out of three. <laughs> yes, Aaron, yours was the best. We're so thankful to have you on the show. You grace us with your presence. I know. I, I, I know. <laughs> this is gonna get this is gonna get five stars because of you. In the Tokyo Dome. It All right. Get, it can't get five stars because he said fuck Dave Meltzer earlier. So Meltzer won't listen. <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> <laughs> the next category abs, I guess. I don't <laughs> <laughs> the next category is career tailspin of 97 hmm. um, and I'm going to read the three that the torch readers picked and I actually agree with one of them but it's ranked improperly 
Number three in the torch pole was Vader. What was number, this again? I couldn't hear. My earphones were freaking out. Say that number, <laughs> number three was Vader. Okay. Number two was Ahmed Johnson. Okay. And number one was Flash Funk for career tailspin in 97. Now, I'll just go ahead and say I think number three should be number one because I think this is the year that really put the nail in the coffin for Vader. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. You left well, a company that put you as their world champion three times, I believe. And you were about to feud with Hulk Hogan again. And you might even have gotten to go over him one time <laughs> to go to the WWF where you were getting kicked in the head by Shawn Michaels for not moving. Well, and, and then in, in 97, he starts out the year with Taker. And the feud yeah. was cool, but by, by early 97, he was pretty much laid waste to by Taker. Right. Then they put him in the in the tag team with Mankind, which at the end of the day, it was they were a good tag team, but it didn't make any sense. By the end of 97, he's in the weird situation where he's a face in Team America with the Patriot and right. just bad and year Kane, for Vader. And then doesn't bad. Kane hit him with, the, with a wrench in the face that, or something? Well, no, that's a, that, that comes in 98. 98, but still, no that's still a part yeah. of it. Oh, know? yeah. Like, oh, yeah, definitely. That's the that's the nail in the coffin. But None of those I, are on the list. I always liked Vader. I never had it. I, I, in WCW, he was the best big man they had that any company he, could have ever seen. He is definitely on the list of guys that, that were better in WCW than they were in yes. the WWF. Yes. Um, as far as Flash Fun goes, uh, Two Cold Scorpio wasn't that big in WCW. He was really good in ECW because he held both titles at once, the TV mm-hmm. and the World Tag Team titles. Never a never, good promo, though. Never a good promo, exactly. <laughs> And then when he got to WWF, they did the, of, of course, stereotypical thing. We're going to make him a pimp. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think a guy Would, that isn't on the list but should be brought up is Mark Marrow. Good too. Oof. Yeah, <laughs> another guy that was on w, in better in WCW. Um, think about it. Fuck, man. He comes in with so much hype. And he got... Then, yeah, well, I mean, he, he made the mistake... I mean, not only not only was he a little over overrated, but he also made the mistake of letting them hire his wife. I mean, let's be honest; he made that he, that was a mistake. You know, you look at it hindsight twenty twenty. Uh, bad move on Mark Marrow's part. <laughs> well, I'm sure Vince played it off as like, "Oh, you'll be the next Macho Man." Yeah, so Macho Man and Elizabeth. Yeah, well. <laughs> so, Aaron, who was who was your tailspin of ninety seven? The LOD. Good call. Good call. Yeah, I mean, I I would actually, and I'm not disagreeing. I'm just, I would put their tailspin in 98, but I can see. No, No, anytime they were in WWF. Anytime they went in WWF was a tailspin. Like, like 98 was when they tried to bring it back, but 97 was the worst fucking year for LOD. It was terrible. They were getting beat up by the the outlaws and DX, and then the outlaws became DX. And yeah, it, it, you know. LOD, the shine, and I said like WrestleMania 13 was like a fantastic pay per view for me, and that was like their last hurrah. And after that, it just fucking fell off. You know, the funny and thing after is, that, is, they they meant nothing at Nate, uh, Aaron. They went back to WCW for a little while after that too. 
before no, they no, came no, back. No. They, yeah. That was 96 when they went okay, to... Okay, 96. Yeah. Even when they went back to WCW in 96, though, they got a hero's welcome, and they were they were starting to get big again. I don't know what Vince McMahon was offering them that made them go back to WWF a third time. They... But 97 LOD... No, it was horrible. The minute DX and the Outlaws put them through the table... And shave Car their, table, yep. Yeah, and shave their fucking mohawks and shit. Mm-hmm. Ended them. Ended them. Yep. And I, I will totally agree with Archie. Um, and I, I think we may have even talked about it on the show in the past. The LOD, the LOD and the WWF was never. Uh, they just, I don't know, they just, they couldn't achieve in the WWF what they did in the NWA and WCW because of the way the WWF booked them in that, in NWA, WCW, they were essentially like an Andre the Giant. They were a big attraction when they came on. You knew they were going to kick some ass. Right. You were, you were going to get, and in WWF, they were always just a uh, part of the crew. They, they didn't stand out. Look at it this way. In the, in the NWA, WCW, they were two Rottweilers on chains, and all you had to do was let them go. They'd go rip shit up, come back and be put back on their chain, and go away. In the WWF, it was, well, here's two kid-friendly poodles, <laughs> mm-hmm. because we want to have the feud with them against Demolition, but that yeah, has I, no payoff. Well, I, I'll even agree with that, but like in like 92, you know. like, like 90 through 92 when they were there... Even with the fucking puppet, they were still sold as being like badass. Yeah, but nobody saw them that way because an animal even says it on Dark Side of the Ring. Hawk was always drunk or, or drugged out. Mm-hmm. An animal was having to carry 80% of the match. In fucking 97, they were just put through a fucking mouse yeah. table. Their hair was shaved off. Yeah. It didn't fucking matter what. And the then other- the next year, and then the next year, and here's puke, and everybody went what? <laughs> and then it was <sighs> in 2002 or 2003. It was Rank is joining Animal as LOD. What? No, no. The fuck is going on? What's going on? <laughs> so I just took this tailspin thing as saying like, yeah, no, I, I did, agree with Aaron. Did the fucking wheels fall off of it? Ninety-seven. Those fucking wheels fell off the other day. Pay, pay attention to something, though, guys. Everybody we mentioned, Mark Marrow, Vader, LOD, veteran WCW, not so yeah. good in the WWF. Absolutely. It's like Vince wanted to kill them because he didn't make them in the WWF. No. Pro, the Pro Wrestling no, Torch. Vince wouldn't do that. No, award, <laughs> award for 1997 for Tag Team of the Year. That's Number three. Number three was the Outsiders. Hey, yo. Number two was the Legion of Doom. I know who number three is. Can I say it? Well, three was Outsiders. Right. Two well, was meant- LOD. I number one, of- who do you think, Archie? The Steiner Brothers. The Steiner Brothers. And that's who I'm going to give it to. That's who I give a nod to. I agree. For. 97. And they were they were badass again. They were starting to take over. Scott cut his hair. Ted DiBiase was kind of starting to float their way and become their manager. 
because they were they were win- they were winning titles every time they got. <coughs> I agree. That's the this is the first time I agree with with the entire fr- uh, followers of the, the pro wrestling torch. No Harlem Heat. Heat. No Harlem Heat. They were still, Those... they were still finding their footing. It was it was it was they were good, but they were still because of the NWO they kind of got put on the back burner for like a year. Yeah, true. This was the hardest one for me because I almost put I almost put Bulldog and Owen, but Bulldog and Owen didn't really have a lot of tag team shit in the later. But, yeah, I was gonna say I'll give you Bulldog and Owen for '96, but not '97. Right. Like '97, they at the beginning of it they had a good one, so I just took, I just wrote a team down that was my favorite team in 1997. And it was the faces of fear. Ming and the Barbarian, not a bad choice. Love Mang and the Barbarian. <laughs> fucking love them. Now, did one, you love the them music? as Haku and the Barbarian, or two, or no? Huh? Did, did you love them in the WWF as Haku and the Barbarian, too, when they were in yeah. the family? I have a Haku shirt, man. Yeah, I did Haku, too. That's why I asked. love the faces of fear. For one, their music is super relaxing. <laughs> well, of course you have a Haku shirt because if you don't, he's gonna come and rip your fucking eyeball out. <laughs> hey, as, team, as I a, fucking love the faces of fear. As a as a as a shameless plug here, if you join the uh, We Can't Wrestle Facebook group, you'll get this joke. I want you to think about three Mang and a Bebe, <laughs> 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 which made me laugh for like seven minutes. <laughs> It was and pretty I, damn good. Like, every couple I days, like, I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> three Ming and a Baby. <laughs> like Shivani was talking about when he was talking about Ming and his son, and he's like, I don't know what to say to my son. And Tony Shivani's like, Look, tell him you're fucking Ming. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we got our. I think we got our consensus for tag team of the year. Uh, Archie and I said the Steiners. I guess we didn't really get Kyle's opinion. Kyle, well, yeah. What was your opinion, Kyle? I'm going to have to go with the Steiners. And then Aaron with Faces of Fear, so two good picks, and it would have been... I'm sure they had matches where they beat the ever-loving fuck out of each other. It's you know, it's 97. Aaron, with everything going on with 97, one word defines 97 as far as tag team wrestling, and that's Steiner line. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I was just about to say, Aaron said the Faces of Fear music was uh, was like soothing. I find the Steiner Brothers song soothing. Steiner lie over and over again. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just well, repetitive. It's just repetitive. I just want you guys to understand that you can't always be right all the time. Well, well I'm glad you, you could admit that. Aaron just cut a promo on all of us. <laughs> Speaking of which, best promo. Steve Austin. That was good. That was good, Nate. <laughs> Aaron, I agree with you, but you jumped the gun. The top three from the Pro Wrestling Torch poll, number three, Ric Flair. Number two, Shawn Michaels. And number one, Steve Austin. Now, where I disagree with the Torch viewers, or the Torch whatever, readers, I think Austin is best in 97. I mean, talk about cutting your chops, the promos, uh, electrifying the world with promos in 97. Shawn Michaels, yes, Shawn Michaels had those scathing promos, and uh, for anything you can say about him, whether he was being real, being a dick, whatever, the promos were intriguing. 
I think this is one of the worst years for flair on promos. And I would put my number three as Bret Hart with those heel promos I was talking about earlier. I agree. And and you're right. And this is one of those ones that's going to be tough to pick because there's another gentleman that I think cut some really good fucking promos in 97, and that's Brian Pillman. Yeah. Wow, Mm -hmm. pal. Brian Pillman, I mean, just between just everything that he was doing. I mean, the, epi- the episode of Raw where he has you do the prayer, where he has everybody, you know, do the prayer for Bret Hart, that he gets, that he gets better. <laughs> How good is that? It's so good. You know, I think at some point in, like, late 95, when Pillman was a part of the Horseman, he lost his mind slightly and then came back from it, but mm-hmm. remembered everything he felt for losing his mind because mm. he was too real at his promos. I thought I was listening to a crazy person 80 to 90% of the time. Yeah. <laughs> he, half of the stuff he said didn't make any sense, but you believed it and were like, yes, say more. Yes. I want well, to hear was, more. And he was the one guy out, out of the, uh, out of, out of the her foundation that even like Canada, they're like, fuck, this guy is right. fucking nuts. Like he, he's not a member of the heart. In some ways he was like the black sheep of the heart foundation, but he made it work. Right. You know, yeah. and and that was what was great about it. You well, know, Pillman was great, but the best '97 promo was Steve Austin. Oh, no, no, I, I agree with him being number one. Without yeah, doubt. I do too. <clears throat> but Flair kept getting cut short by the NWO all year of '97. '96 uh, wasn't that great either because of the whole Dungeon of Doom, and then leading into Hogan turning. Flair wasn't the top heel anymore. 98 um, was a great year for Flair. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. because Fire me? And, you know, I'm already fired. fired. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know. But his lip and his fucking bleeding and shit. Oh. Was it, 90, was it 98 or 99 when he yelled at the camera, if you cut my mic and turn to a commercial, when I come back, I'll be I'll be naked? That was, no, that was, I think that was during the Rousseau era. So it would have been like so 99 like or 2000. Okay, that might have be, might be one of my favorite flair promos. When, I'll be naked when you come back. I'm like, wow, he, he would do it. He would do it. <laughs> flair would come back with nothing on right now. Stand it, or think of the memories of him like being crazy, standing there in his boxers, like doing the crotch right. thrust to right. Tory right. Wilson or whatever. Just <laughs> think about, think about like the, one of the best moments on Nitro is when the Horseman comes back. Mm-hmm. Arn Anderson be, being like, oh "Ah, I don't know if it's my old age or or what, what a goof, somebody. What a what goof. goof. Yeah. What a goof. <laughs> that fucking but, crowd. Ugh. And to see Flair come out and like you have Flair who doesn't. Sh- it's like Edge when Edge came out at the Royal Rumble. You don't see that emotion mm-hmm. in his eyes. Yep. You see him fucking tearing up. Like I can't believe. You know. Ugh. The weeks so leading up good. to that, Kyle, the weeks leading up to that when Malenko and Benoit are begging him, begging Arn Anderson, bring back the horsemen. Yep. And and Arn is like, I can't. And then even Mongo's like, leave him alone. He can't do it. I wanted to I wanted to tear Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko a new asshole. Be like, leave Arn Anderson alone. He's right. He can't do it. There's no Ric Flair. Because I thought Flair was going from the company. I didn't know he was still right. under contract. Well, and, and Arn Anderson to sit there and be like, all right. Like you want it fine, but right. we don't wear white hats. We're not good right. guys. And he and they weren't. No, because like you want this fine. It... Good guy horseman. I think at that point lasted for like what four months. Yeah, and then they went right back to being the badass four horsemen that we all love. 
We have three categories left. I actually agree with the torch voters on this on the top two. Worst promos of '97. Oh, what? I'll give you mine. What? Well, let me get. Let me do the torch, and then you can go. So, three is LOD. Two is Roddy Piper. What? Yeah, Roddy Piper sounded like an adult amnesia patient in 97. And number one, who is, I mean, out of main eventers, is worse than the Ultimate Warrior, is the worst promo ever, not just 97, Ahmed Johnson. Oh, that's number one? Number one is Ahmed Johnson. I agree with number one completely. I agree with number one completely. Uh, as far as number two was Ronnie Piper, eh, no, no, I don't, I don't see that because there's plenty of guys that have worse fucking. Oh yeah, than that. oh yeah. Uh, Sid, number one. What's your number one? Mongo McMichael. There you go. <laughs> yeah, Mongo had some fucking horrible. Mongo and, and Ahmed could battle for bad promo, face to face, <laughs> and none of us would have any fucking clue what was going on. No. Hey, we might even change the channel. Hey, hey, I'm a stupid motherfucker. And then Mongo would be like, I'm an even more stupid motherfucker. Like, nope, we're equally a stupid motherfucker. And then Mongo would be like, look at my chihuahua. Or the clown. Do you remember remember in 2000 when Ahmed Johnson came to WCW as Big T? And he was fatter? He was fatter and he carried around... (laughs) He carried around a fucking jug of milk. Yep. Like every yep. problem. Like what? what How are you a bad guy? Right. Why are you you drinking milk when you're a bad guy? I don't understand. <laughs> he just fucking carried around a gallon of milk for no I, reason. He just fucking had it. All right. You wanted you want to do bad Stevie Ray. You want to have Harlem Heat 2000. I I get it. But your answer to that was to give Stevie Ray Clarence Mason Ahmed Johnson. And the big fat guy that was Master P a year ago, because that's who the other guy was that was with them. Yeah, was with Master P with the No Limit Soldiers. So that was, that was your idea for Stevie Ray, who was actually pretty damn good in the ring. Yeah, you know, that, and that's the sad thing about it, is that Stevie Ray doesn't get a lot of credit that he deserves. Oh my God, Stevie Ray! If it wasn't for Stevie Ray. I don't think Booker T would have been as big as he was because if Booker T would have just came to WCW as a single, he might not have made as big of an impact. They needed to be a tag team. You know what's funny is is there are lots there are lot Stevie Ray, just on that topic. There are lots of bad things about late WCW. Okay. Yes. Yes. One of the things that gets criticism that shouldn't was when they had Stevie Ray on color commentary on Thunder. He was oh, gold. God. He was. He was, he was great. He was great. Um, let's be honest. That show was garbage. It was boring. Mark, Madden, Mark Madden's commentary made it atrocious. Yeah. Fuck Mark yeah. Madden. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fuck Mark Madden. Exactly. <laughs> How in the fuck that fat piece of shit ever replaced Bobby Heenan? I'll never know. Because Bobby got old and didn't want to do the job anymore. And I understand that. But no, Bobby well, no, but what Bobby got, guy. Bobby didn't get old and not want to do the job anymore. Bobby watched on, watched the product he was watching and was like, this is fucking garbage. Right. <laughs> stand behind it. 
He uh, couldn't stand behind it. He was like, what the fuck am I working? Where am I working at? And Mark Madden was too keen to go, yeah, I'll do it. No problem. <laughs> the only, a Hawaiian shirt. I'm a fat the, ass in a Hawaiian shirt on national television. The only time I ever marked for a Mark Madden, <laughs> the only time he ever uh, made me mark out, and it wasn't because of him, because he stole it. It was because of Kevin Smith. Mm-hmm. When Hugh Morris, is it Hugh Morris? Man, does the, he's the big, and it he does the he does the big splash. Hugh Morris does the big splash, and Madden does the fly fat ass fly. But that had nothing to do with Madden. You know, he stole that from Kevin Smith. Right. right. So he stole everything he ever fucking did, <laughs> including Mark Madden. If there are two people, shit, if there are two worthless people, piece of scum. <laughs> you sound like you sound like uh, Billy Jack Haynes talking about Stone Cold. <laughs> you. You fucking stone cold piece of shit. Stone cold piece of <laughs> shit. If there are two people that I hate more than Vince Russo in this world, it's Mark Madden and Ed Ferrara at Vince Russo's writing partner. <laughs> because the both of them, when they were in WCW, because I could handle Russo in WCW. He never showed himself on camera for the first <clears> little bit. But Ed Ferrara coming out like JR. Mm-hmm. And pretending to have cerebral palsies and making horrible jokes and then covering himself in barbecue sauce and winning the cruiserweight title and Mark Madden with his goddamn horrible excuse for being a play by play man. Fuck both of them. What? Well, <laughs> and then do you remember Vince Russo did I know we're fucking off topic here, but fuck. It's okay. Uh remember Vince Russo did the fucking Seinfeld thing? Yep. Yeah. Where he they they wouldn't show <sighs> Bad uh, stuff. <laughs> fucking idea. That, but yet you recognize the voice. You know it's Vince Russo. The minute I, I, I mean, I, even though we all knew he was going to WCW, the minute you heard his voice behind the desk, everybody went, "That's Vince Russo, bro." You know. So, <clears throat> two categories left. Ugh. One, one of which is most underutilized of 1997, and okay. the the Pro Wrestling Torch. Uh, voters number three, Juventud Guerrera. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Number two, Chris Benoit. Yeah. yeah. And number one, Flash Funk. Holy shit! What? Underutilized. Holy shit! And I can't necessarily yeah. disagree hey, with hey, that. Hey. You know why I say holy shit? Because that's who you said. I wrote Flash Funk. Huh? Fucking two gold Scorpio in '97. Jesus. Fucking two gold Scorpio was the goddamn shit, man. Like, that guy did some shit that if you would take him and put him in the wrestling business now, he would be a fucking main event super fucking star. Like, two gold Scorpio came along like 10 years too early, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. He came around with no division built around him. There was no cruiserweights. There was no television like, I'm not like, like, you know, I, I wrote it fucking down. Flash Funk. Fuck wow. up that they said that. Damn. I'm surprised. Didn't they make him team with Vader for like a month? Yeah. WWE boat from Colorado. Yeah. And they knew each other and they felt they'd make a good team. They also teamed in with Terry Funk, Funk so Jim yep. so Jim Ross could say, No relation. Right. <laughs> so 
Um, <clears throat> so, Archie, who would you say was the most underutilized? Benoit is number one. Honestly, the, the, that I fucking nailed it. Play with that, yeah. Hi, Archie. Benoit. It's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. Oh. I, was talking to you, I was talking to the other gentleman there. And apparently his name is Archie because we asked Archie. <laughs> Didn't mean to interrupt, Kyle. It's okay, Eric. I can never sit here on my hand. I agree with Benoit. I think he should be number one. Um, I think that number two as Juventud Guerrero is good, but I maybe I think I would have went Benoit one, Booker T two, and Juventud three. Kyle? You know, I got to agree with Flash Funk. I think that's a great idea. Benoit, and as much as I love Hoovy, uh, I think Ultimo Dragon. Okay. And I, I, my actually, what I wrote down is my most underutilized guy of 97. And I know he got a push. I mean, the WCW gave him a little mid-card push and everything. But it's a guy Archie brought up when he listed his uh, I think that it would have been in 97 advantageous to strike the iron with Booker T. Booker T was, there was a groundswell of popularity for Booker in 97. Especially, you know, you go through <clears throat> the, the the matches he had with Rick Martell. And, uh, and, and just in general, I think that, that they could have, how do I want to put this? If they would have done, if they would have started with Booker in '97, what they, they kind of so, what they kind of well, yeah, what they kind of sorted it a little too late by 2000 when the company was already in a tailspin and sinking. Booker T could have been money. Booker T could have been a guy that you built to face Hogan and Savage, and and you know you know what I mean. I mean, I, I think that uh, I mean his career proves that uh, one of the greatest Definitely. of all time. Shucky Definitely. ducky quack quack. Uh, I think um, the guy too. Can I give a? Oh, sorry, Kyle. No, you're fine. I think the guy that doesn't get a lot of credit that really deserves it more than really probably anybody in WCW is Norman Smiley. The big wiggle baby. <laughs> Smiley. Who I was gonna say, um, Kyle, if you wanna elaborate. Tell more uh, or elaborate on Norman. Yeah, Norman Smiley never would have been world champion. But fuck, he could have been the United States champion. And and let's be honest. And this is I know we're talking about ninety seven here, but let's be honest. Because he did, he played the role so perfectly, and he did it so well. One of the very few really good things that that Russo did in WCW was screaming Norman. That was a fantastic, fun. You know, it, it was it was goofy. If it, it was goofy, but it wasn't too goofy. Um, right. and, and Norman played it perfectly. Or a good television champion. Where you know yeah. he should have been right. the fucking star of Saturday Night. Mm-hmm. Where you know then he could go on because I mean, we we talk about Benoit having a bad match. Name me a bad Norman Smiley match. I can't. No. Neither can I. <laughs> Even the hardcore stuff with Terry Funk and, and yeah, like I said, it good, that was know? that was. It's funny because I know people that listen to that's not wrestling or watch that live show on Monday nights on the uh, the Facebook group or the YouTube page. If you're not a member, why the fuck not? Um, game 
hear hear, hear me talk hear me talk about uh, play wrestling and, and blah 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 and how it's all silly now and it's stupid. But at that time, what Norman and Terry Funk were doing, or what have you, was okay. There is a place for comedy in wrestling if it's done right. properly. If it's done properly, and for ten those minutes. still yes, those still look like real fights, right? Okay, and, and their comedy, comedy was they brought back Ralph this, right? <laughs> and Norman was wearing football pads, but he still fought. Isn't you one of the funniest I mean? thing? Isn't one of the funniest things in wrestling history? Ralphus's crowd control, just him taking his hand and going like, no, 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 like, no, 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 no. <laughs> No, no, no. <laughs> it's some of the greatest shit ever, man. I love Ralphus. Can oh, <laughs> I say my 97 guy? Yes. That's not too, that's not too cold, Scorpio? Yes. Like, he was almost somebody that I erased when I said too cold, Scorpio. And I thought it was kind of cool that fucking Portugal said 97 was too cold, Scorpio. It's Perry Saturn. Oh, that's a good yeah. thing. Yeah, Saturn was on the up. Almost come up, come up. Perry Saturn now. Because Perry Saturn had fantastic goddamn WCW matches in 97. He was great. He was Perry good. Saturn is another one who didn't have a bad match in WCW either. You know who's another guy? Because you brought up Saturn. He's an ECW guy originally. Jerry Lynn. Yeah. A lot of people don't. He, whenever you talk about those, Matt, you always talk about Rob Van Dam. But Jerry Lynn, man, he fucking. I think we're. I think what hurt. To be honest, I think honestly, and you guys can disagree me, with me if you want. But I think what hurt Jerry Lynn from having that X factor. Jerry Lynn, I never thought was a good promo. No. He was you like know? a landstorm. He was very laid back and well, and really yeah, I mean, he just he, it, just you know? he didn't come off like. You'd watch, and I'm not at all. I'm not at all de- denigrating his ability in the ring. I mean, no, no. Some of the some of the best matches ever in ECW were Jerry Lynn and Rob Van Dam. I mean, those you can't argue with that. But you put the mic in front of his face, and he's like, "Hey, guy, how you doing there, buddy?" Right. <laughs> and it's just it's it doesn't work. He's he, one of know. those guys that needed a mouthpiece or someone yep. just talking for him. Yeah, yeah. But I agree, Kyle. Jerry Lynn, fantastic. Fantastic performer. Oh, so good. Don't get don't, do not get that mistake with Jerry Flynn. No, no. <laughs> it was at WCW Starcade. You know, but but one of the funniest moments in Nitro history is it Nitro or is it on a pay per view? Is when Jerry Flynn has that match with Ernest Miller, and oh. as he's wa- as he's walking from the ring, he looks at the camera and he goes, "That's how you take care of Ernest it's fucking Miller. Miller." And he's on live TV, so then he makes like the oops face. And he he goes, goes, oh my god. He goes this. He goes, This is how you carry take care of Ernest fucking Miller. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Nitro. But let's be honest, it was Nitro and nobody was probably none of the executive producers were probably even watching anyway. Oh, they were all right. Here. Making sure so, Hogan was, making sure Hogan had his grapes and shit. Right. Alright, so our last category. Nineteen ninety seven Pro Wrestling Torch. Viewers, listeners, uh, readers, over-pushed. most most overpushed. Number three, Eric Bischoff. Yes. Number two, Lex Luger. Yes. 
And number one, Hollywood Hogan. Now those people are on my list. I wouldn't. I, I would actually switch Eric Bischoff with Hogan from and put Bischoff as third as first because I, Bischoff wanted to be the main focal point at that I, point. I picked Bischoff, and I would in no way ever, in any aspect of any wrestling organization in history. Even WCW 95, where I disliked him and disliked what was going on with him, I have never in my life said any wrestling promotion over-pushed Hulk Hogan. That's a stupid assertion. Because you have a charismatic star. Yes, who is the the biggest star in the history of the business, along with Austin. How can you ever say you overpushed Hulk Hogan? Right. It's a stu- it's it, that is that is the dirt sheet bullcrap sometimes, you know. Yeah, like there's times way. there's times I didn't like Hogan, but right, I would right. never say that any promotion no. overpushed him cuz he put money in the bank everywhere he ever went. Yep. yep. Now, I will I will say I'll take Hogan out of that out of that list and I'm going to put in Ahmed Johnson. Agreed. Yep. I could, I'd put him at number two. Because <laughs> fuck me, Alan Johnson, 1997, that was the fucking height of them being, Vince being like, no, this is the guy. <laughs> and he's going to cut but, these great promos, pal. You know, the, the funny thing is, though, is, okay, here's Ahmed Johnson. He's the guy. He's African-American. We want to push him. But then here's Farouk to come in and say, who's, who's Vince McMahon yeah. doesn't like black people, but yet our golden boy is Ahmed Johnson. Well, and not to mention, not you to mention, Ron, you have Ron fucking Simmons. That's exactly what I was going to say. You have Ron Simmons. Outfit. You have, well, no, what I was going to say was this is 97. You have Ron Simmons. Right. And you're trying to push Ahmed. <laughs> okay. But by this point, it wasn't the same Ron Simmons. Let's, let's say what it is. It's years later after he beat Vader for the world title. He's no longer Ron Simmons. The way they introduced him was terrible. They didn't explain to you why he was with Sonny for those couple of weeks, why he targeted Ahmed Johnson, why Sonny wanted to be well, a they couldn't. targeting Ahmed Johnson. Archie. And that's and I get that, Archie. Archie but yes. Steve Austin. In all fairness. In all fairness, they couldn't explain to you why they put him with Sonny. But we because knew why. They, they, what, no, they couldn't say, when we go to the South... Right. right. <laughs> and we have this big black man come out with this blonde white woman. This oh, is going to no. get some fucking heat. <laughs> Believe, me. Believe me, I understood that. But you left him with her for all of three weeks that you never even got to the South with them. Right. Yeah, So truth. it defeated the purpose. Truth. And then he went from gladiator Farouk to I'm a black militant. And I'm not saying there's <laughs> anything wrong with that. But what a switch. But he you did know? a great job in the role. Let's give yes. him credit. No, he did a great the, job the in the role. The problem with Farouk and the Black Militant thing is they never let him win the t- championship. Right. Mm-hmm. If he had right. won that damn title, right. come out there and been like, you know. You like, have fi- the nation of domination with you, which was like 40 people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now, what I will say is comedic. <laughs> it's kind of comedic when you look back on it now. <laughs> it is comedic to me when you look back on it now that the <laughs> the Undertaker had to have a feud with Black Militant. I don't know why, but it's just funny. Like that feud, like Undertaker being like, "I gotta fight." <laughs> Essentially, it's Undertaker versus uh, Louis Farrakhan, 
And Bobby. Undertaker, Undertaker's just like, I'm just the champion. <laughs> I'm the dead right. man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and actually, um, black people like me. <laughs> and on paper, Undertaker for black dudes love the Undertaker. Right <laughs> you know what I never understood? Oh, guys. As sorry. A kid. Sorry, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say what? this. Black dudes love The Undertaker. <laughs> All right. Like, I, where I, I grew have... up, my black friends, they were just like <laughs> African-American friends. We'd talk about some shit, and I'd be like, oh, man, I like Bret Hart. I really like Steve Austin. They'd be like, fucking Undertaker, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's my shit. Put my nose He's Undertaker versus Ron Simmons, that brings a new definition to That's Dark. <laughs> Jesus Christ, oh, Kyle. Oh, God, I guess we're cutting that out. Mark uh, for edit. Mark, Mark for edit. edit. Mark for edit. <laughs> what I never understood was it took them to the second version of the Nation of Domination to get it right. You have Farouk, who was basically being Louis Farrakhan and a black militant. Mm-hmm. And okay, he had Clarence Mason with him. That was fine. And yes, the rest of the Nation of Domination members in tuxedos were black. But he had Crush, who was from Hawaii. <laughs> Savio Vega, who I believe is Puerto Rican. Puerto Rican. And Wolfie D and JC Ice. The two whitest white boys from the USWA. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like, yeah. why, this is the nation of domination? Really? You know? They, they could have done more to get him over. And like you said, give him a shot at a title. But I don't know. Absolutely, I don't know. It just, the feud with Ahmed never actually went anywhere. Well, and it, it, it's funny because it was. It's funny that you say that because it was so long, but it never went anywhere. <laughs> Ahmed, why'd you join the Nation of Domination? I did it so The Rock wouldn't join. Yeah. What? what? Okay, and then what happened a month later? The Rock joined and kicked you out. Yeah, it was absolutely and, pointless. And honestly, truthfully, if it wouldn't have been for the Nation of Domination, we would not have gotten The Rock. So, it did serve some purpose. And, yeah, that that, that Nation of Domination, Ahmed John- the Farouk Ahmed Johnson feud, it started... In now, August of 96. Okay. Right. It ended. It ended in like December of 97. Like it was over a year. Right. And like Archie said, nothing ever happened. Like it never, there was never really a no. conclusion. There was no. never a decisive winner. Um, it was just like they didn't know what to do with either one of them. So they just married them up for like a year and a half, two years. Right. Let, let, can we play a game, a quick game of what if? Can you okay. imagine, like, if if Ahmed Johnson had been the one to first lay hands on Vince McMahon? If Ahmed Johnson yeah. come out and been like, it is, it's you that has kept the black man down. It's you that's you know always picked right. the world champion that doesn't give me the opportunities. What would the WWF look like? Well. The problem with that is I don't think that it would have been as effective 
and and I'm being in all seriousness here. I'm not even being comedic me about this. Oh no, not at all. Look like a jogging. I don't think it would have been near as effective because he could not have ever cut the promos like Farouk did. Right. Ahmed did not right. have mic chops. He just did not have mic no. chops. No, um, no I was talking I, about Farouk. If Farouk had been the one that attacked. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. I, I, was, I got I got lost. No, no, so no, if no, Farouk would have been the first one to attack Vince McMahon. Vince, and be like, it is, it's because of you that the black man is held right. down. You're the one. He would have pulled wants... the curtain behind and said, you're you're the real owner. You're this yeah. and that. You I, guess, I, guess, I, guess, I guess where I got lost was because Farouk did come out and cut those promos about Vince and when he was feuding with The Undertaker about being the first black world champion and all that. Uh, he did cut some kind of those kind of those kind of promos, but I see what you're saying now. What if he? I don't think they would have done that as a push the company angle, right? It was okay for a month angle to get some heat on Farouk, but to push the company angle, I don't know that they would want to be in the race card that deep, right? At, at that same time, I believe WCW was being called out on being racist. For having no international or foreign world champions, and that was the furthest thing from the truth because Rey Mysterio was a cruiserweight champion, Chris Jericho was a television champion. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it made no sense. So I think WWF would not have profited or moved forward if they would have said Vince McMahon's a racist. Because right, all right, uh, Farouk attacks Vince McMahon, lays him out. Vince is off TV for a week or two. Vince couldn't have came on TV and been like, "You're damn right, I'm racist." It wouldn't have worked. You know what I mean? That would have been a a whole different Mr. McMahon. Right, right. (laughs) He would have had a granny on. The Grand Wizard of the World Wrestling Federation, Vince McMahon. That would have been horrible. (laughs) Oh, man. That would have been really bad. Oh, I'm just thinking about all the <coughs> horrible gimmicks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's it. It's me, Farouk. It's not it. He's underneath the no, white hood. No, he wouldn't. He wouldn't call. He's wearing a white hood, right? And he's not. He doesn't call him Farouk. It's me, Ron. It's been me all along. <laughs> The white, (laughs) the white power that be. Right. (laughs) The Undertaker is just sitting there going, "What the fuck am I involved in?" Wait a minute, is this the way the storyline should have went? I was talking about the devil, not not the KKK. What are you talking about here? Aaron says that's not it. He didn't give your under pushed or over pushed. Over pushed. I said Eric Bischoff. I also said Bischoff. I said Ahmed. Okay, well, I didn't get my overpushed. Go ahead. My overpushed was DDP. What? I see that. I see that. Uh, DDP fucking sucks. What? Archie is a Jersey guy. He's like, you son of a bitch. What's wrong? <laughs> Come Listen down to Jersey Shore. We'll show you how to fist pump and throw up the diamond <laughs> tail. Get off. I'm joking. You know, I don't even act like that. Listen to your goddamn fucking Bruce Springsteen bullshit. Hey. (laughs) DDP sold fucking... He sold tickets, man. DDP 
This is going to be the first time on the show Archie really gets pissed. I like it. I listen to Bon Jovi, not Bruce Springsteen, okay? <laughs> well, I like Bon Jovi, but DDP well, is from funny. New Jersey. Look, you could say what you want. I, I don't I don't feel Diamond Dallas Page was always the most over, but the time when they finally let him get over, he played the part well. He was the underdog, and he just kept fighting. And and Crash. where I... Oh, go ahead, Darren. Okay, I can uh, stout my beliefs. DDP is garbage. What I will say to... And I'm not, I'm not a big DDP fan either, okay? But what I will say to counter that just a little bit, just just to put some something in perspective, whether you or I, it's kind of like, and I hate to put, bring this up because this is bringing up another sour crawl in Aaron's thing, but it's kind of like, like it's kind of like it's kind of like beefcake. In that, in that, if you look at the time. Where and I know we all, everybody on this panel, thinks it's horse shit that Brutus Beefcake broke Mister Perfect's perfect record in ninety at WrestleMania six. Yes. At that time, whether we like it or not, you watch and listen to those crowds. Beefcake was over as fuck. They loved him, and that's what I will say in defense of WCW pushing DDP is at this time in 97 and early 98, man, that guy was over. There's no arguing with it. Those crowds were popping hardcore all the time for Without DDP. Without a doubt. What, what well, is it about DDP it. that you hate, Aaron? Well, I hate his stupid jeans and his stupid goddamn ramen hair. Okay. <laughs> his stupid face. DDP, the... DDP, the original Razor Ramen. <laughs> he was a good punk promo. Hey, no, he wasn't. Yes, he was. Hey, his stupid <laughs> goddamn. Ladies and gentlemen, if I could interject with a cheap plug here, on August 22nd, DDP will be in the virtual asylum. In the virtual asylum. Make sure and you I meet will... us there so that Aaron Maxson can tell him to his face that he thinks he sucks. <laughs> I will personally feel the shit. I will personally pay for Aaron's ticket to see him go face-to-face with Diamond Dallas Page. I will tell him that his stupid ramen haircut and his stupid weight belt is a piece of shit and he should just hang himself. But if you look at his wife, he must uh, be hung like a horse and oh. can lick his own forehead. <laughs> Kimberly, Kimberly Bacon Kimberly Bacon is fantastic. Uh, ki- <laughs> My wife doesn't listen to this show, so I can say this. People always be like, man, how did you get such a hot wife? I'm like, well, I can lick my forehead. But anyway. <laughs> listen, <laughs> I will say, this. say what you will about Diamond Dallas Page. He was I have over. a pretty girlfriend, too. Nate. Nate. Mm-hmm. I have a pretty girlfriend, too. Yeah, sir. I have nothing going on. In this, Diamond Dallas Page has more championships than you, so. But DDP. Five time. Five time. Yeah. With his stupid ramen hair. And DDP has stupid no ramen hair brought five world championships. And he was also he's also been in an award winning movie. Yeah. No, Ready to Rumble never did won an award. I don't know what I'm talking about. Ready to Rumble is a fucking terrible movie. 
do you watch it when it's on? If any of you like that. <laughs> so you've never quoted a, a scene from, like, Ready to Rumble, like Jimmy the King or, like, No, I've or... never quoted a fucking goddamn moment from Ready to Rumble. It's a terrible movie. You <laughs> <laughs> oh, should be ashamed of yourself. Ladies and gentlemen, join us in the Virgil Asylum when Jimmy King will be there. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we don't have Jimmy King. Oh, out. shit. We got Oliver Platt. <laughs> <laughs> Oliver Platt is in Ready to Rumble? He's yeah, Jimmy he's Jimmy the King. He's Jimmy King. What the fuck? <laughs> have yeah, you never seen? himself for that. The movie oh only God. came out 21 fucking years ago, Aaron. <laughs> has Aaron never seen Ready to Rumble? That guy should be ashamed. Oliver Platt was in West Wing. Mm-hmm. Like he should be my like, favorite hey, TV show. West Wing. My favorite, favorite TV, TV show. show was let's, What's that? Let's no, that's that's up there. It's up there. Let's have a call to action. West Wing. West Wing's right here. Okay, see where it's at. Mm-hmm. Hey, here's Oliver Platt in West Wing, and then. Mm-hmm. Here's Albert Platt and goddamn ready to rumble. He should murder himself. Oh, God. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I, I want to make a call to action right here, right now. Maybe yeah. we can throw this on the Asylum podcast. Maybe we can put it on the uh, the World Championship Customs, everything. Definitely. But let's have let's have a let's have a charity drive here. <laughs> it's a GoFundMe. <laughs> We will go fund me. Are you going to say go fund me, Oliver no, Platt? Let's let's have a a charity drive here where we raise money. We'll come up with a, a donation limit or whatever what we got to reach. If we reach it, Air Maxson will have to sit down with us and we will watch Ready to Rumble <laughs> all the way through. I'm in. We will do. We will do it for like Feeding America or something not like that. I'm not gonna watch Raider Rumble. That's a fucking terrible movie. You don't that even is- know. You haven't watched it. I've watched it. I'll oh. say this: if we you make five hundred dollars, you have to watch it. If we make a thousand dollars, you have to watch it for twelve hours straight. <laughs> oh, God. That's too much. That's too much. I can only watch that movie once a year for about 45 minutes. <laughs> All right, that's a wrap. Yes. Let's do the outros. That's a wrap. You. That is the Weekend Wrestle Podcast, episode 102. Holy reviewing. Recording. Reviewing the Pro Wrestling Torch Year End Awards from Can 1997. Yes. And ladies and gentlemen, I want to again encourage you to, if you have not, join our Facebook group on Facebook. That was redundant. But uh, join our Facebook group, the We Can't Wrestle Facebook group. We uh, all take. um, Yes. We all take a lot of pride in that and this show. Join the Asylum, World Championship Customs, the Nerd Closet, and Trading Chops. And I promise you. That amongst all those groups, you are going to find all the entertainment you need as a wrestling fan on Facebook and anywhere else. Thank you for joining us. We're going to sign off as usual. It ended as a shit show that I will edit. But we will have a show for you 
Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next week on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you to my co-hosts. Aaron is talking, and I have no idea what he's saying. <laughs> I said to Tootsie goodbye. To Tootsie, I good.